Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this day in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for another opportunity that you've given us, Lord, that we can come before you and seek your truth, Lord, and to worship you, Lord, and to draw closer to you. Lord Jesus, I just want to take this opportunity to say thankful for how faithful you've been to us, Lord, even when we didn't deserve it. I want to say thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord, that I know I don't deserve, and how you have spared my life, Lord, and delivered me, Lord. You've delivered all of us from a road and a path of destruction. And Lord, I'm praying that we will all stay on the path of the straight and narrow, Lord, that we will seek you every day in our life, Lord, no matter what we are going through, it is not greater than you. So Lord, I'm praying that Lord Jesus, send down a double portion of your Holy Ghost power upon this message, Lord. Let your words flow through me, Lord. It is not about me or what I can say. It is about you, Lord Jesus Christ, and bringing forth in your truth. Because, Lord, we are living in a day and age where the truth is just, it's not out there. And we have to be those willing vessels going out there, Lord, not having any fear of the enemy or the world or the system, Lord. But we must go out and do your commandments, Lord to love our brother and to love you, Lord Jesus Christ, above all things, to teach them the truth. Yes, Lord. That only by the name of Jesus can men be saved. That is the Jesus. only way to you, Lord. That is the only way to the Father. That is the only way that we can be with you in heaven. Yes, and tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm praying, Lord God Almighty, that we take on the full armor of God and that we keep it on, Lord, as we press forward into the spiritual warfare. And, Lord, if we have any areas of our life, Lord, if our thoughts, if our speech, if our heart, whatever it is, Lord, if it's not sanctified with you, that we come humbly before you, that it can be covered in the full armor. Because if it's not, Lord, the devil, the enemy, Lord, will press upon those areas sorely. Yes, Lord. And that's why we must be true to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you and praying today, Lord, that we seek to know where our faith truly lies with you. Open us up, Lord. Let us come humble before you to seek it. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for you're the only one that deserves all the praise, the glory, and the honor in this day, Lord. I thank you again, Lord Jesus Christ. Help us. Help us in this day and age, Lord, to open us up to receiving you and only you, to look to you, Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Let us sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Guide us, Lord. Direct us. Lead us into your truths and all truths. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's lesson is going to be called Faith Under Fire. And we're actually going to watch a video. This is Henry Grover's called Power Fuels the Passion. And we're going to watch this uh, video. I think it's about 45 minutes. I don't know if we can watch the whole thing, but um, we'll watch this and we'll get right into it. It's all right to get physical worshiping the Lord. David uh, danced before the Lord and sang, and, well, the daughter of Saul, his wife, wasn't too happy about it, was she? But what happened to her when she criticized David, her husband? She never had any children, did she? Wow. God dealt with her, and, but David still loved her, didn't he? 
when he fled as a fugitive and came back, finally was restored and brought to the kingdom. He went and took that girl back on the arms of a man that Saul had given her to. <laughs> he believed in first rights, didn't he? <laughs> he wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to give in. Hallelujah. Well, bless his heart. I want to read to you just for a minute here. and We'll see what the Lord wants to do. Out of uh, Luke chapter 1. This is an interesting chapter. It's power-packed. It's got an awfully lot of verses. It's 80 verses. That's a pretty long chapter, isn't it? But we're going to begin all the way forward to verse 67. Talking about the father of John the Baptist. This is after the birth of John the Baptist and all. And uh, boy, let me tell you, when his mouth got opened up, it really got opened up. I, uh, I love it when, when you find a place in the scriptures where a person has been silent. Like Ezekiel. God showed him the destiny of Israel, didn't he? He showed him some of the most terrifying things. And then he said to Ezekiel, go lock yourself in your house. And Ezekiel said, my tongue clave to the roof of my mouth. Sounds kind of like John's daddy here, doesn't it? Zacharias. He couldn't talk. But uh, when God loosed his tongue, things happened. A bunch of businessmen in the edge of Osaka, Japan, had a special meeting scheduled for me and wanted me to come and preach in this big coliseum and it was a dual coliseum and uh hundreds of people were there and it went way up in the stands and uh, i was preaching way up there we were singing we had a good time singing and worshiping the lord and i was up there preaching away and I was just about ready to give the invitation to give their hearts to the Lord. These giant mercury vapor lights, they're different from these. They have kind of a blue cast to them. As I was up front on the, on the platform preaching and about ready to give the invitation to come down and give their hearts to the Lord, I looked up and all of a sudden I saw smoke coming through the ceiling between those big lights hanging down in the ceiling. And my first thought was, Satan, you are not going to take this invitation away. Wherever that fire is, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You know, we're, sometimes we're so ignorant. It's good to be ignorant sometimes, isn't it? We know Peter was ignorant. Peter, James, and John up on the mountain with the Lord. Moses and Elijah and Jesus are transfigured before them. Peter was ignorant. It's good to be here, Lord. Let us make three tabernacles. Oh, come on. Shut up, Peter. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah disappeared, didn't they? You can't make a tabernacle to the law. You can't make a tabernacle to the prophets. But you can sure make a dwelling place for the Lord, can't you? 
And that's what we call the church. Hallelujah. The bride of Christ. That's what I thought of when I walked in and saw these tapestries. Kind of thought of like a veil. The veil. Thought about the veil. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. What a God. You realize that was way before Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> that was generations before. That was before they went into captivity, wasn't it? He saw his train filled the temple. Hallelujah. That's royalty. That's royalty. When you start singing some of the songs you sang tonight about holy and the presence of God, it's just, I, I, I just have to bow. I have to bow down because I can't, I can't stay up straight. If you did, that's between you and the Lord, but I can't. Because I've had some experiences that have really touched my life and changed me concerning the glory of God. The glory of God is a powerful, beautiful manifestation of God. If you've never experienced or never seen the glory of God, you have an awesome experience coming. Now, we know the Lord says that His glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So we know we have been predestined to see the glory of God, haven't we? We know that God said in the latter days that He would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, didn't we? I'll never forget going in Dallas when I was in university. We were with a bunch of intercessor young men of our church, and one of the, the girls that we'd met on the street that was a very conservative Baptist, got filled with the Spirit, wound up in the hospital with kidney problem. So we all went up there to see her. And when we went up there to see her, now her daddy was a Baptist pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas. Now that was, that was the Baptist Church in Dallas at that time, okay? And I don't, he never invited us Pentecostals to come. And uh, so we, we went in that room and we started praying for her and, and she began telling us about something that she had, an experience that she had of a dream. She said, I don't know if it was a dream or what is it? What happens to you when you're having it and you open your eyes and it still goes on? See, she didn't understand anything about a vision. <laughs> I love it when people are that simple and ignorant and God moves on them because it, they sit up and take notice, don't they? And she said, I was standing in this massive hangar like a giant airplane hangar. It seemed to go on forever. And here were all these people in that hangar with sponges in their hands in a bucket. And she said, all of a sudden, these clouds just came underneath that hangar, the roof of that hangar, and it started raining. And every time these big drops would fall, somebody would run over with their sponge and mop it up. And they were running all over trying to mop up these, these drops. And then they began to fall faster and faster. And they were mopping them up and squeezing them out in their buckets. And pretty soon they were still mopping up and squeezing and their buckets were running over. But they couldn't stop. They were trying to stop this rain. 
And she said, the next thing I saw was they were still mopping and squeezing into the buckets when the water was up under their chin. They were still mopping and squeezing, trying to control the water. But all of a sudden, their hands went up. They dropped the sponge in the bucket. And the waters went over their head. And she said, what do you think that meant? <laughs> Us Pentecostal boys knew immediately what it meant. It was our cue. You know what I mean? You know what your cue is. It's time to talk about it. It's time to do something about it. And we said, oh, we know what that means. That's Acts chapter 2. That's Joel chapter 2. Old New Testament. In the latter days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. How much is all? A few? One or two? One here, one there? All flesh. And what will happen? And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Boy, it just goes on and on. God telling what he's going to do in the latter days. And we begin to tell her, we believe we're heading into the season in which God is going to pour out his spirit. And even your daddy in that first Baptist church is going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And her eyes got big and she said, do you really think that could ever happen? You haven't heard my daddy preach against you Pentecostals. I said, why do you think they held on to the sponge still squeezing it into the bucket when the waters were up under their arms and under their chin? They're still trying to control. But you can't out, outdo God when he says he'll pour it out upon all flesh. He means it's all and that's it. You're coming under whether you like it or not. Well, that was in 1960, oh boy, 62 people. I'm dating myself a little bit. That was in 1962. Do you think it's been happening since then? It wasn't long after that. Ten years later, um, a movement that we called the charismatic, we call them the automatic movement. Because we Pentecostals believed in tearing till you're filled with the Holy Ghost. That means... You get down, you beg, you bawl, you cry, you scream, you cry out to God, you work up a sweat crying out to God to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you beg and cry and sweat enough, then sooner or later you get so tired you give up and then the Holy Ghost takes over. Now that's my definition of it. <laughs> because that's what he had to do with me. I wore out many elders staying after church begging crying, screaming, pleading. Lord, you've got to give me the Holy Ghost. I'm tearing. <laughs> when I began going on the streets at 18, I just barely turned 18, met a young man as a heroin addict on the streets, handing out tracts, led him to Jesus, and God set him free. I mean, he got delivered from, back then it was called a hundred dollar a day habit. Do you know, do you know what a hundred dollar a day habit in 1962 was like? It'd probably be called a thousand dollar a day habit. Why do I say that? Well, in 1962, the year before, I was making 95 cents an hour. <laughs> paying my way through school. I know it sounds like a foreign land, doesn't it? 
But that's how much our dollar has shrunk. You don't think the dollar is shrinking. I travel, as Pastor said, all over. And every time I leave the United States and have to buy currency in a country where I bought it before, all of a sudden I realize my dollar doesn't buy as much of their money as it used to. And it hits me every time. Wow. The value of our dollar is decreasing. And by the time I've been there seven weeks to two months, and I go to exchange back, I find out it's shrunk even more in two months. <laughs> you can relax. The offering's been received. I'm not getting ready to tell you my problems. I don't have that problem. Pastor McFadden said, I, I don't know where he gets his money to do this. Well, I'll tell you where. The treasures in heaven, people that are moved by the Spirit, and they give. When I see that I have need, I go into my closet, and when I shut the door behind me, I pray to the Father in secret. And I say, Father, if you really want me to go on this mission, then money's got to come in. I'm not telling anybody I'm going on the mission until I've got the tickets and I'm on my way. And he always brings it in. And for years, he brought it in and supplied the amount for my wife and 13 children. <laughs> that was a test of faith when I quit my work. Number 13 was due being born in 10 days when I left my job. That was a real test of faith. I was just telling this couple about that at their church today. Because she just quit her job. <laughs> God provides. That was 29 years ago. All 13 children are raised now. Off the roost, out of the house. 27 grandchildren, 26 grand and one great. We still got a couple, two or three to be married. But they're out on their own school, doing their own work. But God has never let us down once. There were times when we didn't know what was going to be for the next meal. But we prayed. And the money came in or the food came in. There was one time we didn't have anything for breakfast. We had 13 children. Nothing for breakfast. No money to buy. Our son Peter who at that time was about eight years old. He gets up, tries to go out the front door. He never went out the front door. He always went out the back door. Tried to go out the front door, couldn't get out. It wouldn't open. So he went out the back door, went around. Come running back up to mom and dad. Mom, dad. He was always the early bird. Mom, dad, there's a great big basket of food right in front of the front door. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah, okay. We went down there, went out the back door, pulled it away from the front door and the wife opened the door and we carried it in. You know what? The Lord had gone grocery shopping for us. It had every kind of food that our children liked. I never did find out who did that. I wonder if it was an angel. I don't know. Angels mean messengers. That was a nice messenger, wasn't it? But he provided and the children just were excited. It just, 
It just built such faith in them to see the hand of God provide at a time like this. They grew up like that. Whenever they got sick, we prayed for them. If they got hurt, we prayed for them. Were we tested? You name it. Thirteen children. I have a little sign that's above our closet door right now. You know what it says? The greatest aid to adult education are children. <laughs> I keep it. We've had it since the, the little ones. The oldest ones are toddlers. They have taught us faith. Now, if, if you really want to learn strong faith, have 13 children. Young people, here's your destiny. Get married, have 13 children. We had six of them at home, called them our faith children. After, after having seven children in the hospital, we decided, my wife said to me one day, she says, you know, I've always wanted to have a baby at home. What do you think? And I says, so have I. It took seven kids for us to talk about that. <laughs> she said, I'm tired. That last baby we had, they threw me around like a side of beef. And they said, don't bear down. Don't bear down while they're running me down the hallway in the gurney. Keep your legs together. Don't bear down. And she said, I felt like a slab of beef getting ready to go to the butcher. And she says, could we just have the baby at home with soft lights, keep our voices down and speak softly? I said, you got it, honey. We're going to do it. My word, I'll never forget that first one that came had at home. He came out and his head popped out and he announced to the world that he was there. And he's been doing it ever since. The kid's got the lungs of an elephant. <laughs> he announced his arrival and he has never ceased to announce his arrival he's a mechanic and you go to that mechanic shop where he works at that at that uh, big big uh, where they have all the cars uh. <laughs> I can't even think of it now it's just one the other day <laughs> General Motors the big General Motors store where they have the service department, everything, anyhow, service department, there's a word for it. Uh, you go there where he is, and you always know where John is. And I walk in to see him, and I don't, I don't bother him on the job very often, but I, I have no problem. I, I never have to ask where John is. All I have to do is just this. And I say, okay, he's in that bay down there, and I head for it. <laughs> he's been that day way since the day he was born. He told me the other day, he says, Dad, you know what? I'm getting tired of mechanic work. You told me years ago there was a call of God on my life. You think it's time for me to begin thinking about answering it? And I said, I've been waiting for that guy for 33 years out of your mouth. <laughs> so he says, all right, I'm going to start studying and I'm going to pray as to where I'm supposed to go. I think it's time. You know, that's always good. That's always good when your children follow you in ministry. It's always precious. Let's get back to this experience. I was in that big Colosseum. It's a dual Colosseum. 
up to preaching on the stage, just getting ready to wind down and give the invitation. When all of a sudden this smoke is coming down and I'm rebuking it in ignorance. And I said, would the keyboard player come up quickly? I was going to do a real quick altar call. Because if somebody hollered fire, I wanted to be sure we had some repenting at the altar. <laughs> we got to snatch him from the fire. Isn't that what, it's Jude, isn't it? Isn't that in Jude? Despising only the garments that are stained with skin. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some soul saved. I mean, I've worked this thing hard. I preached hard tonight. I deserve to see a few come down. So I'm getting ready to give the altar call. And as the keyboard player comes up, I look up again. It wasn't smoke. It was a golden cloud. And it came down and it covered those bright mercury vapor lights. And they turned as black as coal. For the glow of those that beautiful golden cloud. I just stopped and looked. My interpreter at my right hand pulled his shoes off, went flat on his face. No more interpreting for me. I said to the keyboard operators, start playing holy, holy, holy. And she began playing that and it got the people singing. I forgot about the altar call. It was the glory of God coming down in that place. I loosed my shoes off. Next thing I know is she's playing that. I'm on the other side of the podium. And I'm crying and I'm singing holy deeper than I have ever sung holy in my life. I feel like I'm pulling it from the tips of my toes to speak it out and to sing it. I couldn't sing holy deep enough. And people were screaming and crying. People were repenting. You see, it didn't need an altar call. It was the glory of God. The glory of God. There's a, there's a CD out there called The Multiplication Factor. The glory of God is a multiplier. Do you realize that? And when the glory of God comes down, it multiplies whatever's in you. If there's sin in you, you don't need an altar call. Because all of a sudden, that sin becomes so enormous that it almost you feel like it's going to consume you any second and you fall on your face and begin to repent. Now that's awesome. I saw that at 12 years old, the first time in my life, in A.A. A. Allen's Big Top meeting. And I'll never forget it. Sirens coming, sirens. As a 12-year-old, my dad and, and my brothers, five brothers and my one sister, we're all looking around because A.A. Allen's up on that big platform in that big top, the biggest tent in the world at that time. Nineteen of the main poles, nineteen poles. Barnum Bailey Circus only had eleven poles. A.A. Allen had eight more. You could look from one end of that tent and it looked like you were looking a mile down the road. And it didn't help having those giant diesel heaters there in the winter in Phoenix heating up that tent, blowing away, and, the, and the, the giant speakers blaring full blast so you could hear everything and the music and the singing and the dancing before the Lord above those giant heaters. <laughs> then by the time he'd start to preach, they'd shut down the heaters.
they made too much noise when the music stopped. But here comes all of these fire trucks. Sirens all around that big top. And all of a sudden, firemen are rolling up the flaps and tying them all around that thing. Firemen appear, pulling up the flaps, and they're rolling them up where every aisle goes back. And the fire marshal comes walking in the tent with a megaphone. And A.A. Allen is up there preaching. And that fire marshal says, Everybody stay calm. I want you in an orderly fashion to go to the aisles. We're evacuating this tent. And A.A. Allen runs over to the center of the platform and he points at the fire marshal and he says, Sir! Don't anybody believe him. Don't anybody listen to him. Don't go to the aisles. He said, sir, if you will look up, the ropes are not being burned. Around every one of those 19 poles was fire, flames enfolding around that pole. Every one of those poles. When people looked up and saw those fires enfolding around those poles, and they were not burning the tent. Remember with Moses, there was a bush that was on fire. And did it consume it? No. And when people looked up, that whole front in his meetings was full of stretchers, wheelchairs, and cripples, and people that were waiting to be prayed for. And all of a sudden, people threw their crutches aside, and they were dancing, and they were running around that tent like it was a racetrack. People jumped off the stretchers and took off running. Now, people, this was not a put-on. This was not a lying wonder going on. I saw people come out of wheelchairs that had legs that looked no bigger than toothpicks. You know what I mean? You knew they had not been walking all their life. And all of a sudden, you hear bones cracking of the paralysis going away. And all of a sudden, they're running all over. And people are running down the aisles. And they're on their faces repenting and crying out and screaming their sins out. And I'm 12 years old watching this. I'll never forget that. That was the first time I saw the glory of God. Does that help you to desire a little better the fulfillment of the scripture that his glory oh, yeah. will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea? The world thinks the Christian's God is paralyzed. He's dead. He's an inanimate object. He's a figment of the Christian's imagination. But let me tell you something. When Almighty God says in His Word, Now will I rise. Now will I stand up. Whoa, look out. Now will I be exalted. There's only so much that God will allow in these nations of the earth to, to take place. There's only so much wickedness and corruption that God will allow to begin to corrupt the minds of the people and to turn them away. When all of a sudden that cup of iniquity is full, he won't let it run over. When it's full, he steps forward. And when he steps forward, you better be ready. I watched gray-headed people run around that big top and just keep running and running and running with their eyes closed and their hands raised and they never bumped into anybody. Hours they ran and ran. Does that sound kind of like Isaiah 40 verse 31? 
But they that wait upon the Lord will, could, might, know, will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They will mount up with wings as eagles and they will soar with the Lord. Prophetically, the Bible says the day is coming when things are going to get so bad that the traveling man's going to cease. Oh, does that mean the work of the gospel is going to end? No, we already have a just a little first fruits example over there in the book of Acts with a man by the name of Philip, don't we? When the jet airplanes don't fly anymore, when the trains don't want to run, when the buses are afraid to go from city to city, he has a little thing called translation. Beam me up, Lord. <laughs> he wants you in Africa in a certain village. You'll be there. He isn't limited to an airplane. He isn't limited to an automobile or a bicycle, a train, a ferry, or anybody's feet if he has to be. He can put you where he wants you because he says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world and then shall the end come. It will, it will, it will. But there are certain things that God wants us to know in our relationship with Him. Back to Osaka, Japan and that Colosseum. You remember where I was? I'm famous for rabbit trails. So you got to pay attention. <laughs> I think I learned this from Paul Harvey. Now you've heard the rest of the story, you know, <laughs> after a dozen commercials. Well, I won't put commercials in, just more testimonies. I love testimonies. People say, you're a good storyteller, Henry. I look at them and say, is, is that all you think I'm doing? Making up stories? Fiction or nonfiction? Well, you know... They really are hard to believe, Henry. Oh, so you don't believe them. Come with me. <laughs> come and walk with me. Come with me. Now, you're going to have to have some faith to come with me. Because you're going to be tested. If you walk with me as I'm led by the Spirit, that's Romans 8, verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what are they? You got it. The sons, the daughters of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. You don't need to put a big banner out here in front of your church saying, We are the manifested sons. They used to do that in the 60s. I don't know. I don't know your doctrine, okay? I may be getting in trouble. I don't think I am. But the only way you manifest it is by being led by the Spirit. Then you are a manifested son. Come on. You don't need to put a big banner up there and say, Look, we got a quart jar up here with a chicken heart in it. And it's full of isopropyl alcohol. And that chicken heart keeps on beating away for weeks after we got it out of the chicken. Now, people, in my lifetime, I ran across the church in Los Angeles. They had the big banner. We are the manifested sons of God. They had 12 seats up there, and those were the 12, and working on the 24 elders. <laughs> and they believed they were the manifested sons. And their whole... <laughs> they didn't have any spirit when they worshipped. 
I've been in some of the cathedrals in Europe that there was more spirit than there was there when they worshipped. It's a wonder the people didn't fall out of their pews when they were singing. They were so slow. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my, and all that is within me. Made me wonder how much is in you. You're a manifested son. Come on, come alive. Show it. What have you got? I wonder why that little pedestal was right there in the front, and I wonder what that jar was. And so they come up, and they're going to manifest. You see this chicken heart? It's been beating for so many days. Now, the scientists would love to have it because they can't figure out what makes it keep beating. They've taken samples with an eyedropper to make sure it's just isopropyl alcohol. That's all it is. We prayed over that chicken heart and it started beating. I sit over there and I looked at that and I thought, okay, what's next? Is that the first course? <laughs> I'm waiting for the main course. Come on, wh where is the evidence that you're a manifested son? Can that beating chicken heart save a soul? I never saw anybody run down front. Well, bless God, oh God, forgive me. I see the miracle. Not one ran forward. My. <laughs> I have to tell you, I went out of there that day. I was so disappointed. I thought, I was walking Los Angeles. That's when I ran across it. It's amazing what you run across walking and praying. It was Sunday morning, and I walked by the church, and I said, we're manifested sons. I was raised a good Pentecostal, and I thought, what does that mean? What's a manifested son? Huh. I'm going to go tomorrow morning and find out what a manifested son is. Well, that was my introduction to manifested sons. Do you think it was a, left a very good impression? Uh-uh. Those 12 elders sitting up there looked very poised, and they were dressed in royal robes. It was a bit impressive. But I didn't know if they were going to jump up and start singing any second, Hallelujah, that they didn't even do that. <laughs> they just sit there like, well, forgive me, Lord. We use a little expression, the cat's pajamas, you know what I mean? We're here, we've arrived. We are the 12 elders. <laughs> well, obviously that kind of impressed me in the wrong way. And it made me even dig deeper to find out what am I? This is a different kind of Christianity I'm seeing here. And then we had blocks that I walked into in Los Angeles where Witness Lee had his cult. And so I got infiltrated by them. Now, I'm giving you some church history here of a prayer walker, okay, back in the 60s. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to go see and see what this man has. He seems to be buying up property all down these roads. All these young people are living in these houses, and they all seem to dress like clones. They're all dressed the same. And uh, oh, I'm going to find out where they meet and go see them. I go where they meet in this big auditorium. And they sit in circles all over. They're a circle people. Twelve, fifteen people in a circle all over that giant. No, no chairs, people. That would be abominable. 
They sit in circles on the floor. And they're sitting. Now, I'm not going to sit all the way on the floor. You can't see me. But they sit like this, you know, American Indian style. And here's their worship. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. And they go into a chant. Oh, Lord Jesus. And that's their only message. After the first hour, I got up and walked out. And I thought, I think the record's stuck. Who is this? Watch, not Watchman Nee, Witless Lee. Witness, yeah, Witless Lee. I've never said it that way before. I think that was pretty accurate. Witless Lee. <laughs> Witness Lee. Now, what kind of a group is this? Now, uh, Los Angeles was bringing forth some really strange things in those 60s. Not even speaking of the hippies. You know. So I, I saw a lot of different types of religion. The higher Christians with their heads all shaved bald, except for a little area back here, and then that hair is long. And they sit beating on a little old piece of leather for hours. Hire a Krishna, hire a Krishna, and just like they've got a broken record. I see these kinds of religion. And it just doesn't satisfy me. Because I've got my eyes on that book. And I see there are truths in there. There are promises in there. There are examples in that Old Testament. That if I could just experience one of them. And I'd be a happy man. I don't have to have David and Goliath. Because I don't know if I'm up to that back in 1960s. But I'd like something to see that God is real. And then I read the part where the Lord says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I began studying these settings of these two places then I begin reading the promises in the Word. These things, these awesome things that great men and women of God performed in that book. And, and the Word says, and these things shall you do in greater, Jesus says in John chapter 16, because I go to the Father. And I think, wait a minute, I don't even know what these things are. Now remember, I was raised in the Pentecostal church. And I saw men like A.A. A. Allen, the Jeffries brothers, Jack Coe. William Branham, I remember when, when dear Catherine Kuhlman came along. Daddy used to talk about Amy Simple McPherson. He was in those meetings. And uh, <laughs> Or Roberts. So I saw the power of God manifest. I'll never forget the big banner across A.A. Allen, the front of his stage. God's mighty man of faith and power. <laughs> what happened to me? What, what put in me a hunger? What stirred up in me a desire that I could walk into these kind of realms and walk out and say, it's empty. It's empty. I was 
17 years old when I went to the last A.A. Allen tent meeting. It was set up on the fairgrounds in Phoenix, Arizona. I was coming back from the streets of handing out tracts and trying to evangelize, and I saw the big top, and I just happened to be staying at my sister's house and brother-in-law's house, and so it took me through that side of town, and I saw the, the big top, and I thought, what if that's A.A. Allen? And I went on, pulled on, turned down that road, and sure enough, A.A. Allen's big top was there. And I didn't get in there till about 9.45, 10 o'clock. So generally the meeting would be over most places. But he was up there preaching away, and I had just come into the center aisle of that tent, walked maybe a fourth of the way down, because I figured since I was alone, I could find one single seat way up front. I always liked the front row. School, too. I, I always liked the front row because the teacher could see my hand go up right away if I was in the front. <laughs> I tormented the teachers with questions. I was so inquisitive, and I same way with my Lord. I don't mind asking him questions because I get answers. But all of a sudden, as I was walking down that sawdust trail, he stopped preaching. And he said, all right. Whoever wants a touch from the power of Almighty God, get down here. I was young, 17, in ship shape. I took off on a dead run, and I was the first one up that ramp and across the front. First one, I got the supercharge. <laughs> I got introduced to the power of God. Let me tell you something. People said he was an alcoholic, he died of alcoholism and all that. I want to tell you something. I don't believe that for a minute. That man went like this. When he went like that on the top of my head, people come running behind me, and he's just going to touch them as they run by. And he just went like that. I don't remember what I did, but I know what the people told me I did. They said, you started spinning like a top. You spun into the air, you went over the railing, you went down. Here I was in my letterman sweater, my wool letterman sweater. It was winter. My letters on it, my three stripes of sports in high school. And, and they said, you rolled back and forth for over an hour. I was a holy roller, people. <laughs> and they just sit watching. The meeting was over, people were trailing out, but there was a nice congregation watching this holy roller. I don't remember it. All I remember is crying, oh Lord, 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 oh Lord. That's all I can remember. But they said you were rolling back and forth. Well, I believe it because when I set up, I was full of sawdust. I Believe it or not, I had more hair then. And it was in my hair. It was in my clothes. My letterman's wool sweater was full of sawdust. You ever try to get sawdust out of wool? And I sit up and all these people, I hear them saying, he's coming around. <laughs> I thought, oh Lord, does that mean I'm going to make another round? You know what I mean? <laughs> Where have I been? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And they said, uh, you know what you've been doing all this time? And I says, no, I don't. But all I know is there was, there, it was like, it was like, will you ever blow up a balloon as tight as you can blow it up and then turn it loose, don't tie it? <laughs> that 
that's the way I felt. Like, <laughs> and they said, that's the way you looked. You were throwing sawdust everywhere. Now, now listen, folks. They didn't tell me that a hundred people ran forward repenting because of that. But it did something to my life. It introduced me to high voltage. <laughs> I found out that there is power with God. And I never questioned those words above his big platform anymore. God's mighty man of faith and power. I knew the power was there, people. I never questioned that. I never questioned it before. But I heard others question. I said, you haven't felt the power of God when that man hits you on the head. <laughs> when I got up trying to get all the sawdust out of me, Hobbled out to my car, my 49 Oldsmobile, first car. I get into my 49 Oldsmobile and I sit down. I close the door and go to put the key in the ignition. I haven't turned the lights on yet. It's glowing in that car and I'm thinking, well, the dome light stayed on. So I turn to look up at the dome light in the middle. It's not on. I see a reflection of my face, a part of my face in the rearview mirror. I am glowing like a light bulb. You don't have to believe me if you don't want to. I had a good time. My word. I leaned over and I looked in my face. I was glowing, lit up like a light bulb. I just got lost praising the Lord again. And I made it brighter, I think. Because I finally realized I got to get up in the morning and go to church. I got to get home and get a little bit of sleep. By then, I think it was almost 1.32 in the morning. I had a drive yet to get back to my sister's house. Every traffic light I stopped at, people were looking at me. And I'd look at them. And I'd say, hallelujah! And boom, they'd take off. <laughs> so you see, I'm not normal. You didn't come to hear a healthy, normal Henry, you know, Henry Groover. I'm very abnormal. Uh, I'm not natural. You understand? <laughs> I'm living on borrowed time. At 21, I had a major heart attack. I was in a coma for three days and nights. I don't remember. I lost those. One of those dear brothers that the Baptist girl had had the vision of the sponges and the buckets. It was in Dallas that it happened. He comes to me. I'm laying there so weak, I can't, I can't lift my hand up. It fell off the side of the bed, and I couldn't get it up. You know, that's, that's weak. When you are so weak, you can't pull your hand up off the bed. That, that's weak. 21 years old, I shouldn't be this weak. I remember concentrating with everything I had, and I couldn't get my arm up. And in comes this young man. I remember his first name was David. And he says, Henry, I've been praying for you ever since we heard that you had the heart attack. I said, well, is that what I had? I didn't know what I had. I'd just come out of the unconscious state. And he says, yeah, yeah, you had a heart attack. He said, I've been praying for you. And God gave me five verses from the Bible. He told me to come and read them to you. And when I read them to you, you're going to get healed. And I said, start reading. Uh -huh. 
I mean, I couldn't get my arm up. He read the first verse, I didn't feel anything. He read the second verse, I didn't feel anything. Still couldn't get my arm up. He read the third verse, still couldn't get my arm up. The fourth verse, couldn't get my arm up. When he finished that fifth verse, my arm, because I was trying to get it up, my arm come up and slapped my shoulder. I jumped out of that bed and I took off running out of that building. There was a big green pasture field out back. I ran all over in that pasture screaming and yelling, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Hallelujah. So you see, I'm living on borrowed time. I should have been buried at 21. And then... Well, before I was 20, walking in Fort Worth, Texas, and praying Fort Worth, I was walking in a gang's territory. I knew I was in their turf. I was getting streetwise by then. But in my zeal, I decided I've only got three streets left, and I can go over to Arlington and walk the town of Arlington. You have Dallas, Arlington, Fort Worth. Those were the main towns then in that area. Now it's mega towns everywhere. I tried to find Loop 12 around Dallas just a month and a half ago and I was looking way out of town for Loop 12 it is almost the heart of Dallas, Texas <laughs> I couldn't believe it there's city for another 30 miles out there now beyond Loop 12 that was the only one now they have this interstate that goes 83 miles all the way around Dallas Loop 12 was called Loop 12 because it was 12 miles around Dallas now they have Loop 83, and Dallas goes on way beyond Loop 83. That's how much it's grown since 1962. So I, in my zeal, was walking Fort Worth. And I was walking, as I was walking, it was getting dark. And in my knowledge, I knew that I should get off of those streets, go to my car and leave. Finish those other three streets when it's daylight. But I thought, no, it won't take me long to walk them. So I continued walking them. When all of a sudden, I come alongside this building with this box-in alley, and somebody grabs the back of my head, puts a knife to my throat, and they're pulling me backwards into this box-in alley. Was I afraid? Of course. Wouldn't you be? First time I had a knife at my throat. Did I cry out? No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have said a word. It makes your throat move. You would have cut yourself. I love Psalms 120, verse 1. It fully describes, pretty well describes in one verse my situation there. In my distress. Just stop right there. Is that a good definition of distress? <laughs> I'm a King James man. I don't know what translation you need to understand what distress is, but... King James just says, in my distress, and I understand it. But he says, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Hallelujah. Another psalm, he says, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me out of all. How much is all? All of my fears. Here I am with my back, head pushed against this red brick wall, He's got the knife at my throat, and it's scratching my throat. And I'm trying to stand as still as I can, but I feel like my knees are turning to water, and any second I'm going to go down. Well, you know what that means. Slash my own throat. That is no time to pass out, people. 
<laughs> and he's using a lot of language. I will definitely edit. He's telling me he doesn't like my face. Well, I could have said, well, I don't like it either. But he's telling me he's going to whittle on my face. And he says, you're going to die, man. What do you think of that? Well, what would you say? I don't think it's a very good idea. Stop the world and let me off. Let me out of here. I did just anything. Just get me out of this circumstance. I don't want to be here. Well, that was my situation. But the Lord had been teaching me a powerful verse in the Bible. The first words of my Lord when he came back from the dead and appeared in the room before his disciples who were locked in for fear of the Jews. Do you think those would be important words? Oh, let me tell you, those are important words. St. John chapter 20 starts at about verse 19 when he comes through the wall and appears, you see. Now remember, he says, the things that I do shall you do also. So folks, the day will come when you can walk through walls, but don't try it until the glory of God's on you. You'll find out it's solid. But when the glory of God's on you, you can walk through it. You can appear in king's quarters. You can, you can appear before the chief justices and they can't get a hand on you because they can, before they can get a hand on you, you deliver your message and you disappear. That's coming, people. The world thinks they've got it. They think they've got the Christians right where they want them. But I want to tell you something. They are totally wrong. Psalms chapter 2 says... The kings of the earth have set themselves in array against the Lord and against his anointed. But the Lord will sit in the heavens and he will chew his nails to the quick. And he will say, I didn't plan on this. No, that isn't the way it reads. It isn't the way it reads at all. What are you shaking your head yes for? Haven't you read Psalms 2? <laughs> The Lord will sit in the heavens and he will laugh and hold them in derision. And he will say, yet, I love that little three-letter word, yet have I set my king upon the holy hill of Mount Zion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah, isn't it? Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Woo! Why are we worried? I've been walking and praying now 14 years in Japan, 40 of the islands. I don't count an island unless I've walked and prayed in it, taught walking and prayed and, and, and done, seen the hand of God move in an island, in a city. I don't claim cities until I've seen things like that. And I was walking in this, the, the southernmost tip of Honshu Island. That's a big island of Japan that has Tokyo, Osaka, and Nagoya, and the bigger cities. And I came to this, this river flowing into a bay. And it was about nine in the morning. And all these fishing boats were lined up along the river. I said to the pastor that was with us, that was a pastor in that town, I said, uh, have the fishing boats got back already from fishing? And he said, no, they never went out. I said, why? He says, the cost of fuel is so high, but they're not catching any fish. So it doesn't pay them to go out. They can't afford to go out. 
You know what I said? Right there, people, what would you do in that? Think of what you'd do when you hear that. What would you do with that? Would you say, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's bad in America, too, and you give the whole history of America to that Japanese interpreter. Would you do that? No. You know what I did? I said, brother, let's go on those boats. I want to talk to the captains. I want to challenge those captains. He says, what do you want to say? I said, I want to challenge their God, Buddha. I want to show them the true and the living God. And he said, what are you going to do? I said, well, the Lord had bread and fish on the fire. I was preaching bread and fish on the fire to the Japanese because they eat so much raw fish. They haven't got the message yet. It's bread and fish on the fire. I like fish on the fire. You understand? They like it raw. They can't wait for it to be cooked. Give them a little soy sauce, pull that fish out of the water, slice him up, fillet him, and soy sauce and eat him. I'm sorry, I don't like that. To me, that fish is still flopping around down in this fishbowl. For if you're recording this, the belly is my fishbowl. That's what I'm referring to. And he said, well, how, how are you going to challenge him? I said, I'm going to ask them if they will believe in my God... If they go out tomorrow morning at daybreak or before daybreak and they put the nets out and they come in full of fish, if they will throw their Buddha in the ocean and will cry out to my God, Jesus. And he said, what if they don't catch any fish? And I wanted to look at that dear brother and say, oh, you of little faith. I wouldn't challenge them if they weren't going to get any fish. That's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> but I know my God, and I know their God. I've stomped on the head of thousands of Buddhists walking Japan. If I can't get up on that guy that's as high as this thing, I'll climb up the ladder, and I'll get where I can get on his head, and I'll put my foot down on his head. He never knows it. They have to clean the bird dew off all the time and dust him off because he can't clean himself. Why should I be afraid of that Buddha? <laughs> Missionaries for 40 years had taught them, don't go on the temple grounds. Demons will jump on you. So the first time I go with a prayer walking team in Tokyo, here's this massive Buddhist temple that the emperor goes to. And I stand there and point at the gates and quote Psalms 24. Open up you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors of heaven. And the king of glory will come in. And the gatekeeper, these big giant statues that stand on each side generally in cages to keep the birds off their head. They've either got a bow and an arrow and they're going to thrust you through. One's got his mouth tightly shut. The one on the right generally has his mouth open like, I dare you come through those gates, I'll thrust you through. And I look at them and I think, yeah, you can't even protect yourself from the birds. But they're afraid of them. They've been taught to fear the gatekeepers. And so I quote Psalms 24. Open up your gates and the gatekeepers answer back. Who is this Lord of glory? 
And I say he is the Lord God. Mighty in battle, he is the Lord of glory. So open up you gates and be lifted up you everlasting doors. And the king of glory will come in. And the other gatekeeper on the other side says, Who is this Lord of hosts? Who is this God mighty in battle? And I say he is the God of armies. And I and we are members of his army. And of his flesh and of his bones. And we come to take back this ground for our God. Because that's a false God. So I start doing that, and we walk, my wife and I walk through the gate. We realize we're walking, just the two of us, all of our Christians are outside the gate. We go back out and say, what's the problem? Oh, you, 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 you go in, you go in, you, you mighty man of faith, you mighty bold man. You go in, we stay out here, we pray. I say, how are you going to see what God does? That's a long corridor before we get to the temple. You can't see that far to see when God moves. Come on. No, 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 no. Demon, demons will jump on us. Huh? What God do you serve? A wimp? Doesn't he protect you? Don't you believe he's strong enough and big enough to protect you? Or is he about to die and he can't even lift his head? <laughs> Have you been reading the Old Testament? Where one of his angels, in one clean sweep, killed 70,000 of the enemy? Why are you afraid? The gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the whole world. And then the end will come. Even to those monks and Buddhists, priests. To the people that are there. They need to see the power of God. That's what I believe in. Never forget a bunch of... Women's aglow ladies. First time they went with me, same thing. They huddle in a little huddle and they're praying hard as, as my interpreter, my wife and I go in. By then my interpreter was bold enough, he'd been in enough of them. <laughs> the three of us, now there's three. One will chase thousand, two ten thousand, three hundred thousand. So we got a hundred thousand in flight going through the gate. But the other thirty trillion back there, oh God, be with them, protect them. Keep your hand on them. Watch over them, Lord. Don't let them die in there. Don't let demons jump on them. I don't want people praying for me like that. <laughs> with, with aid like that and comfort like that, you might as well just stay outside the gate if those prayers are going to be answered because they're so full of fear. Let me tell you something. I challenge those aglow ladies and I taught them their authority in Jesus. And you know what happened? This was in... This was in uh, uh, Ka uh, Kamakura, Kamakura, Japan. Kamakura is where the biggest outdoor Buddha is in the world. All right? The outdoor Buddha that a tidal wave hit back in the, the 14th century and, and, and rolled him clear inland a long ways. <laughs> it just tumbled the poor Buddha. Well, they didn't have the strength and wherewithal to carry him back down by the sea so they just set him up there and so here he was setting up not very far from the big buddhist temple <clears throat> well they came with me they 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 got a little courage and <clears throat> so they came with me and uh i've been using my voice a lot i'm gonna oh here's my water thank you <clears throat> we've been walking praying preaching talking singing Having a good time in the Lord. 
I hope you're not thirsty because I just made you thirsty if you're not. <laughs> I'll get it out of your eyes, out of your sight. You know those ladies came into that, that temple in Kamakura? And we came to that big Buddhist statue, biggest outdoor statue they said in the world. And I look and there's ladders up in that Buddha. All over. I, I went inside Buddha. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't go inside something if you're afraid of it, do you? I said, how many want to go with me? Nobody wanted to go in. They weren't that bold yet. So I go, go climbing up these ladders. I get up these ladders and I come to the ear first. And I'm inside this giant hole of this ear. And there's a little square thing that's supposed to represent an eardrum. About this big. I don't know why they made it square. I don't think they knew the anatomy very well when they built it. I think, it, I think a drum is round, isn't it? <laughs> you know what I did to that thing? I kicked it. <laughs> Just gave that old eardrum a good swift kick. In the name of Jesus, hear the word of the Lord. You know, he didn't even flinch. So I went over and kicked the other ear. He didn't move then. I hollered out of the ear, hello down there, lady of glow ladies, how you doing? Hallelujah. I just kicked him in the ear, he didn't move. Now I'm going to go up and I'm going to get a hold of this thing that's supposed to be a pupil. And I'm going to lay hands on it. <laughs> I rebuked both those blind eyes. They didn't start seeing. And then I jumped on his giant tongue. His tongue, his tongue was 12, at least 12 feet long. I got on his tongue and I started jumping up and down. And you could hear him clear down below like a drum, stomping on that Buddha's tongue. He didn't swallow. He didn't move. And all of a sudden I hear these women of the glow ladies start singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And of course they sing a different, Har, and alls and ours, yeah, alls and ours, and they're singing and they're worshiping the Lord, and I'm having a good time. And I look out, and sticking their heads out of this big Buddhist temple all over are the monks. And they're looking at me standing on the tongue of their Buddha. And they're looking at these ladies with their hands raised, singing hallelujah. <laughs> they disappeared. I don't know where they went. I think it scared them. We went into the Buddhist temple. There was no one to tell us we could, couldn't, or what to, or what for. So we went all over. I mean, we got our feet on everything. <laughs> we, we stepped on their incense. We stepped on their drums. We stepped on the Buddha. We climbed up on the Buddha. Got my foot on the, on the head of the, this golden Buddha. Just took dominion over. Nobody forbade us. Well, you know, it, it says that... Uh, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Are those fairy tale words or are they real? That's our God. That's our God. Well, let me tell you, by the time we finished there in Kamakura that day, those dear women aglow ladies were on fire. Their fear was all gone. And they have been some of the most powerful intercessors and bold warriors 
out of that area of Tokyo and Osaka and it just spread through the women's aglow and the fear came off of them as these little first fruit ladies begin to say, look, we did this and we're all right. And so it began a, a transformation in Japan. So let's get back to the fishermen on the southernmost tip of Honshu Island. That's another testimony, isn't it? So, so now we're working on the giant Colosseum, and now we're working on the fishermen, the Buddhist fishermen that aren't catching anything, right? All right, so that was uh, Henry Gruber, Power That Feels the Passion, on DVD. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube as well. So... Alright, so we're going to start with tonight's lesson called Faith Under Fire, and we're actually going to start in 1 John chapter 5. Alright, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever that believeth that Jesus is Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. So this first verse here is talking about obviously it's talking about Jesus Christ and God the Father. So if we have the love of Jesus Christ in us and we believe in him with everything, then we also believe in God the Father as well and in the Holy Ghost. So that is what this verse here is making clear, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. We already know what those commandments are. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind and love thy neighbor as thyself, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith so I want to stop right here and talk really about verse 4 real quick where it says that for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith so it is our faith in God it is our faith in Jesus Christ that overcomes the world that overcomes Satan that overcomes his, his lies, his deceit, that overcomes whatever doubt he tries to put in our mind. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that overcomes that. Because the enemy is going to try and get us to doubt in the decisions that we make in Jesus Christ. He, he wants us to get us to doubt our obedience in Jesus Christ. He wants us to get caught up in the world and the lust thereof, but if we have true faith in Jesus Christ, we understand that we can't do that. No matter how the Satan, no matter how Satan tries to come at us and say, you know, you Christian or you follower of Christ, you decided to walk with the Lord. Watch what I'm going to do to you. And you know what we have to say? I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ. I will not doubt my God because He's the only one, the only one that can deliver us yes. out of these times that we live in. But it's got to be our faith in Him. Yes. Our fellowship. Are, are wanting to be like Christ, no matter what we got going on in our life, nothing should be greater than that. Nothing. You know, I mean, and it's just, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but 
You know, I think it's quite evident, especially when we go out and evangelize. And we talk to people, not just on Wednesdays, but in our regular life. We talk to people and we see all the, the, the half-truths that are, that are out there today. And we see all the, the, the trying to mixing of doctrines and saying, well, you can believe in this and you can believe in the scripture at the same time. And we know better. We know better. It's like, no, you can't do that. I, gotta, I need to introduce you to the truth in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what our faith should be doing for other people. Lord Jesus Christ should be seen in us. There should be a difference in us that when we walk by people, they should see a change in us that we're not looking or living, even if we did live in the world, which most of us have, I know I have, that that difference should be in us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. This is what, and our faith is going to come under fire. It's going to come under fire every single day. And that's when, when we can feel it happening. We should get on our knees before the Lord and cry unto Him, saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own. My own righteousness is this filthy rags. I have to have the Lord's robe of righteousness on me. That's the only way I can get through this life, yes. is having Jesus Christ in me. You know, and even though we watched this, this Henry Groover DVD tonight, Henry Groover has his own testimony. A.E. Allen and Sean Bach and all of them have their own testimony in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We have to have our own testimony in mm-hmm. yes. Jesus Christ and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll keep reading. Verse 5. Who is that overcometh the world, but he that believeth on Jesus, is the, that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. Yes. All right, let's go down to verse 13. These things have I written unto you that ye believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Mm -hmm. That's a big one right there. Because I have found myself at times, and the Lord has really helped me with my prayers a lot recently, but I have found in my times that... I've had to question with the Lord, am I asking in your name? Correct me, Lord, if I'm not. Mm-hmm. Correct me, Lord, because my prayers are supposed to be for those out in the world, for those that are on drugs, for those that are on alcohol, for those that don't know how to pray for themselves. That's mm-hmm. what my prayers are supposed to be for. Yes. You know, and if the Lord wants me to have something, it can't be out of a selfish heart. Yeah. It, it can't be out of fear or, or anything else but what the Lord wants. Oh, but for the Lord wants for me. You know, and so, and this is what he's trying to say. is like, if you have, you know, if you ask anything according to his will, so the Lord's will has to be in us, right? We have to be willing to do his will. Whatever he's called us to be, we got to have the faith that the Lord is right and that whatever he's called us to be, we're going to go out and we're going to do it to the best of his ability. Yes. So, for the men, if he's called them to be apostles or prophets, pastors, teachers, everyone evangelists. You know, the women teachers or prophetess. You know, a, a, a prayer intercessor, whatever he's called us to be, we need to do it. And not try and go outside of his will. He hears us. So there needs to be a solemn plea. There needs to be a solemn cry. Lord, save these people for your glory. Let me not boast in my own self. 
Let me not do anything that is not of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Not, let me not get caught up in self-righteousness that when I talk to somebody, I go around and boast about it. Because that's not what it's supposed to be about. You know, we're supposed to find time in our day, because we're giving time to the world, we should find time in our day to spend with the Lord and, and to cry out to Him. Yes. You know, um, and just really wanting to do His will in everything, no matter what. Even if Satan tries to get us to doubt and come under fire, when we're praying. I've had that happen to me before. You know, I've been praying and all of a sudden while I'm praying, the devil's trying to put, you know, crazy thoughts in my head and I've had to rebuke it out that very moment. I've had to rebuke out those demonic, I've had to rebuke those demonic spirits, Lord Jesus Christ. I know that the devil's trying to attack right now. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But we're going to be tested and we're going to come under fire. Our faith will come under fire. And, you know, the last couple of days in my apartment, I've had, I couldn't even tell what it was until last night, but I was getting these bug bites on my arm, on both arms, bug bites in both spots. I texted Derek and I said, hey, you know, I, I don't know what's biting me. He said, you know what? He says, you need to rebuke those demons out of your apartment right now. And so I did. I got up and I rebuked them out. And the very next day I could see these little black gnats going around in my apartment and I was able to kill them. You know, but that's what, you know, that's what I have to be willing to do. That's what we must be willing to do is to rebuke the devils. You know, we have to be strong enough in the spirit to know the attacks that we come under. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're being attacked in that very moment, whatever we are doing, it doesn't matter if we're, if we're uh, listening to a radio broadcast or watching something on our, on our phone or tablet, whatever, TV. If we feel like they're, even, if, even, even in listening to a sermon, if we feel a demonic presence come over us, pause whatever you got going on and start praying out to the Lord. Lord, I feel that there's a heavy a heavy demonic presence here right now and I need to rebuke it out in the name of Jesus I mean that's just something that the Lord's been really teaching me over the last couple of weeks is having a stronger spiritual life with him and he's been guiding me directing me and leading me and letting me know that your faith will come under fire but are you strong enough in me to be able to handle it and take it and believe in me that I will see you through to the very end alright verse 15 and if we know that he hear us, let me say that again. And if we know that he hear us. So Jesus Christ is not a figment of our imagination. He is Lord God Almighty. And also, although Satan has tried to get the masses to doubt that he is real because of all the half-truths that are out there, there you said one time that uh, one of the false doctrines said that from ages of what, he was a little child until 33. He was off in India doing some Hindu stuff. So the devil's trying to get us to already doubt. And into modern day society, trying to get us to doubt that mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is real. Mm -hmm. And so, but it says here, if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that he, that we have a petition that we desired of him. So when we speak to the Lord and we talk to him, and we get in our, our faces before him, or we walk with the Lord, speaking with him, if he is real to us, we know that he hears us, and that we have a, a petition before him. 
But how many of us, and I, I just want to ask this question, think about it inwardly. How many of us, and this even goes for me, really truly in believe in Jesus Christ that way, that we know that he hears us and that we have a petition before the Lord. How many of us really believe that? And I'm talking about on a mass scale. How many people really understand and believe if your God is real, that he will take care of you, he will never leave you nor forsake you, as the Bible says, as his word, his word says. How many, how many of us truly believe that? You know, it's just a, it's just a question to ask. All right, from here, let's go to First Timothy 4. To yeah, go ahead. I think, too, with that believing is, um, don't, it's not just agreeing with that, you know, knowing that he hears us. But truly to believe means that your actions show positively that you support him. You know he hears you. You thank him. You thank him for receiving it, too. Because mm -hmm. um, I feel like sometimes I find myself, oh, yeah, I know that's right. I agree with that. But I haven't done the follow-up of building it, you know, of working on it, of doing the steps out in my life to make it... Um, like grow, you know, to do something with it. Right. It's different just to agree and actually believe. I think that also intimacy with the Lord will let you know when He's hearing you. There are times where I'm sure that He hears me more than others, depending mm -hmm. on what I'm doing or, you know, mm -hmm. how I'm living or what's going on in my life, if mm -hmm. I'm not giving Him enough time. But you get this feeling of when the Lord hears you, it's almost like there's a clear path with you and him. Mm -hmm. And you know that there's nothing else that matters at that time. Yes. And it's almost like when he's listening, it's here. Yes. Like it's coming from your heart. Your yes. heart's communicating with him Absolutely. and not really your mind. Yeah. All those things go blank, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like this. You can just feel like that warmth where you know, Lord, I know you heard what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. And it's like a breakthrough period. Mm -hmm. But when you're not really praying from your heart and you're trying to pray from your head, mm -hmm. it doesn't. I'm no, telling you, yeah. you'll look for words, you'll look for things, and it's just like something is just not getting in. Yeah. But then there's a point that when you finally break through, you feel like the heart just, I mean, opens. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's open communication yeah. with you and the Lord. Like you, you can't stop. You don't want to stop. Exactly. Amen. Like you know he hears you at that point. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right, First Timothy 4. That's a good, that's a really good, um, that's a really good point. It's like all, oh, everything just goes out of the way. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like however you would communicate in your carnal sense, yeah. that's all out the window. Yeah. It is all spirit to spirit, you know, heart to heart with the Lord. Give an example of that. So I'm not going to say what I was praying for, but I've started praying longer at night, you know, getting into it for a much longer period of time. And it's, that's not the point, but. I've noticed that when I've started out, sometimes I feel like, Lord, I know you're there. <laughs> but it seems like the longer I go, something breaks off of me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my words just flow. It's like I cannot stop talking. Mm -hmm. And that's just where it's like, I believe that the Lord always hears our prayer. But how long are we willing to commune with Him and talk with Him? How much faith do we have instead of just saying, Praying in a, you know, and I, I've even done this, praying in a 15 or 20 minute style and, and just saying, Lord. But after a while, it started feeling like it was becoming repetitive, mm -hmm. like I was losing a fire or, or burning 
something within me. And I felt like my prayers were just not right. After a while, it was like I prayed for this and I prayed for that person and whatnot. But then after a while, it was like, I almost started feeling, man, I can't wait for this to be over so I can go to bed. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not right. I should not be feeling that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I had to go before the Lord and, and start really pleading before Him. And I still got to do it, yes. you know. But how much do I care about people and their salvation that I would give that prayer over to the Lord that He can use that as an in To be an intercessor means we may not always know who we're praying for. But it's a solemn plea and it's a cry that this person getting ready to stab themselves in the arm with a needle, the needle will break. Or the mm -hmm. bottles of alcohol will break before that person mm -hmm. so they can't get drunk and walk out in front of a bus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or, or kill themselves off of alcohol or, or someone getting ready to kill themselves on purpose. I mean, that's what the prayers go to. It's a solemn plea, Lord, save these people that they cannot die and that your word can come to them and they can be saved out of this life. You know, that's what the prayer is for. And our faith has got to be willing to, to just get through ourselves and to push through ourselves that those prayers will reach the heavens. But we've got to be willing to just, no matter what's going on, even if we're tired, even if it's midnight, which is the witching hour, you know, that's when a lot of witchcraft happens. You know, you, know, you get all them doing their seance and stuff like that. But it's like, if, if the Lord calls us, I want you to be up. For this long and I want you to pray because I've got a working I want to do in this area of this place here would you be willing to have the faith that I can do this and that you will stay up and be that prayer intercessor that I've called you to be will you do that you know and so it's just that having that faith that he can work through us and what again like I said whatever he's called us to be and going out and, and doing it and spending time with him and getting filled with his Holy Ghost you know, that's what, it, and it, that's good. You know, that's a perfect example of where you feel like it just breaks your chest cavity. And it's like, you know, it's just, man, it feels like the people in the apartment above you or whatever, just feel like they're going to catch on fire when that happens. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. all right, First Timothy 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So what is saying here is that Paul was talking uh, about Timothy, um, but he was letting everyone know everything that you do. It doesn't matter if you're out walking in the street. It doesn't matter if you're at work. It doesn't matter if you're at home with people. That everything that you do and everything that you say, we should have Jesus Christ living within us. It's almost like if we can't talk about Jesus Christ, we don't want to talk about anything at all. You know, and you get quickened in your spirit saying, man, you shouldn't be saying that. You know, uh, the salvation of others is so, it's such a great need that everything that you're going through in your life should be an example of Jesus Christ in you, in us. This is how it should be, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading to exhortation to doctrine neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by the prophecy by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery presbytery thank you meditate upon these things give thyself wholly to them that thy prof profiting may 
appear to all. So what he is saying here is that whatever the gift that the Lord has placed upon us, whatever that is, let's not doubt it. Let's not neglect it. Let's not go and try and do something else that the Lord hasn't called us to do, thinking, and here's something that came to me today. I should never be trying to think for the Lord. He can think for himself. He's the one that needs to be thinking for us mm -hmm. in our thoughts. That every time I've tried to say, well, I think the Lord, I need to stop and think and wait a second and say, wait a minute. Am I trying to think for God? Am I thinking that this is okay, that God would allow, that Jesus Christ would allow this to happen? Instead, I should be praying about it and seeking the Lord and what he, what he wants me to do. Lord, whatever you've called me to be, let me be it for you. So we cannot neglect the gifts that God has given us and that he's laid upon us to do. You know, and, and seeking him every day, Lord, that I have stronger faith in this gift and to go out. Whatever, whatever it is, having the faith that he can work through us. All right, so let's go to Acts chapter 16 and 13. Acts 16 and 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside, where prayers was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of uh, Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here. And we came in. All right. So I know that a Bible study on Acts was already done. Um, but this woman, Lydia, she believed and she wanted to be baptized. And she wanted, she asked the question here. If ye have judged me to be faithful unto the Lord. So, she was asking an honest question. She was asking them, If you see that I am faithful unto the Lord, come in and abide with me. And I think that this is a very important question for me to ask unto the Lord. Lord, if you find me faithful, would you come in and abide in me? And this is something that I, I ask all the time because I know that I am not worthy. I know that my sin makes me unworthy. But Lord Jesus Christ has given, I mean, grace upon my life and mercy upon me that I do not deserve. Mm -hmm. And I have to thank him for that every single day because I know I've done things in my life, even recently, that disappointed him. I, I've not always been obedient unto his calling. There's times he's wanted me to go out and do stuff and I just... I didn't obey him, and I felt very grieved by the Holy Spirit for not doing that. And it is his grace that gives me another day to go out and obey him. Yes. You know, and this is a part of my walk with him and a part of my salvation with him, is that I'm, I'm praying every day, Lord, I know that there is blood on my hands for the people that I walk by, and I don't talk to about you, Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray for his strength, and I pray for his endurance that I can do this, 
in a time and in a place that is not welcome. But there are people out there who are who are seeking after the truth. We don't all know who they are. You know, it could be someone down on the street on a bicycle who looks rough and, you know, it doesn't look like has the greatest appearance and that, that could be the person right there. Is my faith gonna carry is my faith in Jesus Christ gonna carry me over to that person? Excuse me, sir, do you mind if I talk to you for a few minutes? Is my faith gonna do that? You know, and it's just hearing from the voice of the Lord, I want you to talk to this person. And having enough faith in Jesus Christ that he is going to be there with me in that moment when I talk to that person. That is what our faith does. And she had that, she she asked them that, if you find me faithful, you know, I want to be found faithful unto the Lord. It would just, I mean, everyone has got a situation in her, in their life right now. And everyone, you know, I don't know if everyone's faith is being tested, but... You know that saying that we have to have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. A mustard seed is very tiny. Very tiny little seed. If we have faith of a grain of a mustard seed, we can say unto the mountain, mountain move and it will move. It's not us that moves the mountain. It's our faith in Jesus Christ and he moves the mountain for us. In his power. But it got me to thinking about that tiny little mustard seed. If we have to have just that much faith, it got me to questioning, what kind of faith am I lacking if a mustard seed is just that tiny? That's a great deal of faith in a tiny little seed. And it gets me to thinking that if I can't eventually shoot forth God's power upon the lame or upon the deaf ears, then my faith... I might not even have any faith at all. Or it's very little faith. Very little faith. Because if you think about that mustard seed, how tiny it is. Jesus Christ is asking me, I want you to have that much faith. And even greater than that. Mm -hmm. That was the example he was giving. Is that the mustard seed isn't that big. Mm -hmm. So what kind of faith do I have if it's just being measured to that and, and a mountain can be moved? So it got me to thinking, what kind of faith do I really have in my Lord? If I cannot eventually do these things through him. It just, it really got me to thinking about that. And it, it is going to take a lot more prayer and fasting than I have been doing. Because I really am starting to wonder and think in my mind. Because it is true. I would rather give up the world and have Jesus Christ. Because if we have Jesus Christ, we have everything. We yes. have everything we have ever wanted. Everything we've ever needed. Nothing is lacking in him. The world tells us otherwise. Say, you got to work this 9 to 5 job and have this money and X, Y, Z. But that's all materialistic. It's going to burn away anyways. Yes. When the end of the world comes. And so it's like, I'd rather have Jesus than what the world has to offer. And yes. saying that. But then, here comes, here comes my flesh. My flesh tries to say, well, you need to have this or you can do that or whatever. And i got to rebuke it. Because my faith, my every need, depends upon the Lord. I can't doubt Him. I can't doubt the decisions that I've made through Him. No matter how many times the enemy tries to get me to doubt, any time he tries to, to bring up old memories of stuff that I used to do in the past, saying, you're not worthy, look at what you did here. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ saved me from that life. Mm -hmm. 
And those those memories have got to go away. They've got to stay under my feet where they belong. Yes. You know, stomping on the enemy's head. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the name of Jesus. So if, uh, if anyone wants to add anything, if not, we're going to go over to Galatians 2. Is, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the mustard seed too, when it's um, planted, it grows into one of the biggest trees? Yeah. So that's kind of mm-hmm. crazy to think how much just the smallest amount of faith yeah. can do and how starting there, how much more the Lord can do. Well, yeah, that's when Sarah started out perfect with... You know, about escaping the world because that is our problem right there. Mm -hmm. The problem is what you feed on. And, you know, the farther you are from the Lord, the the smaller he is in your perception. But the closer you get to the Lord, the bigger you see that your God is. So I think what's helped my faith a lot is not really loving the world. To be honest with you, I don't want anything here. I'm going through the motions, but the Lord is pulling things out of me. But I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a scientist. I don't want to be any of those things. I want to be ready for when Jesus Christ comes. When it comes time for me to report in, all right, Lord, 500 souls, I'm reporting in. You know, and the Lord, come on in, son. That's all I care about. So, you know, listening to what Sarah's saying and watching that video, you know, I've had that, that DVD for about two years, never watched it. Never watched it once. But the thing is, is that, what I'm learning from it is that it almost made me want to quit my job. I'm going to be honest with you. It made me feel like, you know something, maybe that's the part of faith that the Lord is also trying to take from me. Now, I've had my battles in the past yes. with my job and everything, and, you know, I'm like, hey, let the Lord's will be done. Yes. I don't care. I'm going to continue to be faithful. But it's, it's almost feeling like he wants us to cut all ties with everything in this world and really yes. rely on him. Amen. But how big is our God? So God said preach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, my understanding that mustard seed is the smallest among seeds. Like mm-hmm. you can barely see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, like that means like, a lot. Yeah, like grain. Like yeah. Grain. You know, really tiny grain. And I, I'm glad you said that because it brought something to mind is that the Lord pleased with us every day for us to trust in him. Mm-hmm. He pleased with us. And it says that he's angry with sin every day, but he pleased with us. And I don't know why I can't get it out of my head about Isaiah 53, when the Lord Jesus, when he was on the cross and how it took everything within him to stay on the cross. And that's something that should just really ring in all of our minds about how he came and he died for people that would hate him and that would continue to hate him. For children that say that they believe in him and that would disobey him, and yet he he died on he paid a debt for our sin that we could never pay. Yes. Nothing that we ever do within ourselves could ever pay that debt. Not our righteousness, not our our our, our prayers, not our whatever it is, not our offerings. Nothing we could do could ever keep us out of hell. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ and believing in Him. That's another thing is that we have to believe in him with every fiber of our being to truly be saved. And that is why it says, he that endureth unto the him and to the end, the same shall be saved. When your God is big, you will be bold. And that's that right. is a fact. Because yeah. you know that there's nothing that any man can do to you except that what he, you know, allows to happen. And, you know, that's why I go out there and I mean, you know, I don't care about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really not worried about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care about the soul. I'm looking at the Lord. Watch me. 
and what I'm doing and what he thinks of it, you know? So when we get to him, Jesus did not bite his tongue. No. Good, sorry. No, that's fine. And another thing, I was doing some reading, and it actually brought me back to Job and everything that Job went through. And how he never he never doubted God once mm -hmm. in that time. Now he may have regretted the day he was born because of all the pain that he was in and what happened to his family and the fact that his friends were constantly beating on him and saying, You have sinned. And you know, even during that time when the conversation got redirected when Job said, I have not sinned and then eventually at the end of it when, when Jesus Christ came down to him and says have you known me? Have you known me when I created the earth? Have you known me when I did this? And Job repented because he realized what was going on in that time. And God judged his friends because of what they did not come at him in a right spirit saying, Job, look, this is what's happening, you know, uh, and to you. And all you have to do is just look, keep your eyes upon the Lord, and eventually this is, is going to go away. Mm -hmm. But they kept coming at him in a wrong setting. Mm -hmm. But even still, during that time, Job never cursed God once. He never cursed God one single solitary time because he knew God was real. I mean, and look, if you look at everything that he went through in his life, you know, he lost his kids. He lost his, um, almost lost his life during that. But the God told Satan, you can do anything, don't take his life. He even lost, uh, didn't his wife leave him too? His wife left him. You know, every, he, all his animals were taken by, you know, the Assyrians. I mean, all this stuff happened to him, and he didn't curse God, mm -hmm. you know. And if he he had boils on mm -hmm. him, and he had all this this you know these plagues upon his life, but not once did he curse God. He still had faith and believed in God that he would not give up. And so, that's even a testament to me is to think, man, if the Lord allowed something to happen to me. To test where my faith is at with him, would I still believe in him if that happened? Would I still believe in the Lord if you know my car was to break down? If I do, I still believe in the Lord if I lose my apartment? If somebody walks out of my life, if somebody dies, who I cared about greatly, do I still trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because it got to understand something is that it's not the animate objects that we see in front of us or the people that we see in front of us that's the issue it's the spiritual warfare that's going on around us that is the the, the topic we got to understand that there is a big spiritual warfare there's a big spiritual realm out there and god his angels are fighting against satan and his angels and that's going on around us and do we have the faith that with all that is going on around us, that we still believe in God no matter what. No matter if we lose everything in this world, Lord, I trust in you. You've got a purpose behind this. Is that where our faith is going to take us? Maybe the Lord says, I want you to go and I want you to walk out on the streets and I want you to talk to these people and I want, to, I want you to pray over this area and I want you to do this and that. But Lord, i got a date tonight. So, I mean, what, what's greater, and I, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but it's just, what do we find important with the Lord? Because when He has all these plans for us, and we put other things in front of us, it's like the Holy Ghost just says, you know what? You obviously don't want me in your life right now. So, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to talk to this person who's a little bit more on fire than you are, and I'll come back to you when you're ready. But it's like, all that, 
like he said, high voltage. Oh, we get all that high voltage and we get pumped up and ready to go. And then when it comes down to it and the Lord says, I want you to go, but Lord, I got something else. It's almost like you just fizzle out. And that's what my dad always told me that, you know, not like this is good carnal advice. I mean, to some degree, but he always said that before a fight, he said, you're going to get nervous. He said, you're going to have fear. He said, but once the first punch is thrown, that all that fear goes out the window. Like, everything is gone at that point. And even with boxing, you know, and everything, it's the same thing, that whenever the spirit tells you, let's go, you don't think that your flesh is going to say, well, the spirit said, let's go, so let's go. No, your flesh is going to tell you, I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. There's other things I got going on. Don't do it. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Things are going to happen. Hey, I, I know how this story ends. Mm -hmm. And then they start trying to bring up movies and things <laughs> and make you think about it. But yeah. your flesh is going to fight. So we all have to understand that that is natural, mm -hmm. that you may have fear or hesitation because your flesh does not want to die. Yeah. Your flesh is going to fight you. Yep. So don't think that you're ever just going to feel like doing something for the Lord and you're not going to meet any resistance. That's a normal thing that you're going to feel that in your gut. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Alright, Galatians 2 starting at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we having believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ to the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So let's have an understanding of what he's, of what Paul is saying here, is that if we believe in Jesus Christ and we're wanting to walk out with him and do his works and everything, what kind of a testimony is it if we try and go back into the life that we left to follow Christ to build those things up again? Mm -hmm. So that's what he's trying to say here, is that we make ourselves a transgressor, and it's not to say that Satan's not going to try and get us to back and do things, and when we come to know Jesus Christ, we're not going to fall back into sin at times. That happened to me for a long time until I was ready to give it over to Christ and to stop doing those things. You know, but it's to us that might sound crazy, like, why would I want to go back and live in the former life when I have everything in Christ right now? Obviously, Paul wouldn't have said this if it wasn't happening. There are people out there today, individuals that are saying, and I'm not talking bad about them, they need to come to know the reality that's in Jesus Christ like everyone else does, but he's saying is that there are people today saying that they believe in Jesus Christ, and, and I, I'm not saying they don't, but the facade is is that they're trying to still live in their former life of what, they, of what the Lord brought them out of, and not realizing, hey, you're a transgressor if the Lord, like in Hebrews, says we, we uh, uh, crucify Christ afresh. If we've been able to have the gifts manifested in us and we've tasted of the goodness of Jesus Christ, exactly, we, we crucify him afresh when we do that. Because we've seen the glory of the Lord. We've seen his righteousness. We've seen his miracles. We've seen prayers answered that we were like, oh my goodness, Lord, only you can answer this prayer. Yes. And if you've seen that, 
what sense would it make for us to try and go back? What sense would it make for me to go over to the bar and just start cracking one open and say, how you guys doing? I haven't seen you in a few years. You know, what sense would that make? They'd be looking at me like, you're crazy. <laughs> what are you doing here? You know, what kind of sense would that make? But people are obviously doing, they were doing that in Paul's days. A warning isn't just because, a warning sign is obviously there because it happened. Warning, do not walk on the tracks. You could get hit by a, a, a train going by. Obviously that has happened in order for them to put that sign up. That is what a warning sign is for. It's not to do it if, if people haven't done it. It's only to do it if people already have done it. So the reason why he's saying this is because it's already happening. He's letting people know, you're a transgressor if you do this. Verse 19. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And that the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He's saying here, I do not frustrate the grace of God. What does that say? This is something I was having you tell somebody one day, is that grace period God allows us to have so we can get our life right with Him. But that grace expires if we become reprobate or if our life, if our life was to end. Our, that grace expires. You know, because God gives us a certain amount of time to come to Him. He pleads to us. I'm, I'm giving you this grace period so you can come to me. It's like um, a probationary period. You know, when you start working a new job, they give you a probationary period. And if they like you within that 90-day period or whatever it is, they'll keep you. But after that 90-day period, if they figure, you know, you're just not cutting it, and we've, we've done everything that we can to try and work with you, but this is just not for you, they let you go. This is what that grace period is for for us. It is a probationary period that we have with God that we can come to know Him, but we're not supposed to frustrate that grace of God. If we can think, oh Lord, I'm saved, now let me go back and re live my regular life, that's not salvation. What is he saving? What are we being saved from? And I was having to tell somebody, why do we get saved? What's the point of getting saved if we're not willing to give up the old life? You know, what is he saving us from? He's saving us from sin. He's saving us from the world. He's saving us from hell. We were out there evangelizing one day, and one guy, a homosexual guy, walked by, and I was like, Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. He's like, saved from what? And Derek said, hell. He's like, I don't believe it exists. He's like, he said, if Jesus exists, I mean, uh, yeah, if Jesus exists, then so do unicorns. Well, the Bible speaks of unicorns. Exactly. So they may be in the heavens, or they may even be in remote areas of the world right. that people don't want to tell you that they exist. Mm -hmm. But, exactly. you know, don't let education fool you into thinking that the things of God are not real. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was just going to elaborate on the unicorn part. Were they uh, in the Bible considered like good things or bad things? Well, David said in Psalm 92, my horn does thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. Yeah, I so, mean, like, are they good or bad? I believe they're good. good I believe yeah. the creatures that God made. Mm -hmm. But I also know that the occult uses them. The unicorn is a, is a symbol in occultism for um, fertility. Yeah. You know, so it's also something, too, that they try and they use praise. for evil. But the Bible does mention unicorns. Mm -hmm. So I either think they either existed maybe before the flood 
or they still exist, you yes. know, in, in areas that we can't get to. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, because the unicorn, yeah. stuff, you know, they winged horses. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, because the unicorn has always been elaborated as a spiritual, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, supernatural horse. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if the Bible mentions it for, I believe it's for good. And like you said, I mean, that Satan always tries to take what God created and meant for good. And he uses it for evil. Yes. So, you know, but that's true. I mean, it's like, and, and we're going to run into this. Our faith, like, again, I said, you know, our faith is going to be tested on these matters. But, you know, we just got to trust in the Lord with everything that we have. So from here, um, Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evident, set forth, have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, received you the spirit of the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So, let's read this again, verse 2. This only what I have learned of you, received you the spirit of the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So, what he's saying here is that someone tried to come in and bewitch them with the law. Tried to turn their eyes away from Jesus Christ and back into the works of, of, of the world. And so, he's saying here is that, do you have the spirit? Do you have the faith? Um, do you, are you hearing the faith of Jesus Christ in you? Or are you trying to still work in the law? Because you can't have both. You're either going to do one and be judged by the law. The word even says that. If you do, he, he that doeth the law is judged by the whole law. So, or are you trying to hear and have the faith in you that Jesus Christ has put in you that you can go out and do his works? Verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, and ye now... Sorry, let me read that again. Have ye begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect in the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if, yet, if, if, if it be in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doth he, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. So, what he's saying here is, is that, if the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us through the Holy Ghost, and he works with us through the Holy Ghost, that we can go out and do according to his purpose, then we're not going to be bound under some under the Mosaic law. We're not going to be bound by all the traditions and all the things that they had to do. Because when Christ came, he did away with all of that just to have the two greatest commandments, which are very easy to follow through the Holy Ghost if we allow him to do those things in us. You know, we, the law bound people to a certain, a certain way. I mean, yes, it was to bring them back under Jesus Christ after being in Egypt for 400 years, but it was, it was a certain way and a certain lifestyle that they had to live until Christ came. And when Christ came, now he can work through us. Now he can say, I want you to go here and talk to this people. And I want you to go here and talk to this people. And I want you to do this. But if you get around people that are trying to bring back the law, which is not right, they look like brick and mortar statues. You know, my brother, or you have to do this and you have to do that. And you have to, you know, write this down. And it's just like... First of all, you're not even right because you can't even keep the whole... No one could keep the entire law because it was like 600 and something laws. 13. 
613 laws that the Pharisees and Sadducees tried to get people, they were misusing the law anyways for their own purpose. They were had no intention of even keeping it. And they were judging people according to what exactly? So again, against their own righteousness that they didn't even have. So what he was saying here is that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you have the faith in the Lord, you're not under the law. Stop trying to do dead works to get to Christ. We're supposed to be on fire. We're supposed to be led. We're supposed Available. to go out. Available, yes. Willing vessels to go out to do the Lord's yes. work. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know you therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? What faith did Abraham have? Christ, Jesus Christ said to him, You know what? I, I, I've given you this son. Go out and, and, and crucify him. Offer him up as a sacrifice unto me. Abraham didn't doubt that for a second. He did what the Lord asked him to do. And what happened? His Isaac was saved because he had that much faith. He had that much faith to go out. Lord, you've given me this child. I didn't deserve him in the first place. He's already yours. I give him back to you. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. Anything that the Lord has given us, he wants us to give it back to him so he can use it for our glory. Sometimes we ask, Lord, I want a lot of, you know, Lord, if you, I've heard people say this, Lord, if you give me a million dollars, I will use it for your glory, and I will go out, and I will I will give it to people, and I will do this for you, and that for you, and whatnot, and it's not to say that they're not asking out of earnestly, but at the same time, if there's any ounce of flesh within us, any ounce of flesh within us, how, who, who's to say that when we get that million dollars, our mindset would not change, automatically change, mm -hmm. and say, oh, now that I have a million dollars, go ahead. Yeah, like Pastor Price said, I laughed, it was a video he just came out with recently, I can't remember the name, but he said that a lot of people will ask the Lord for things, and the Lord can tell if your heart is pure or not, like people will pray prayers. Lord, please let me uh, give me a car so that way I could, you know, drive people back and forth to church. And Gary Price is like, okay, so then why don't you ask the Lord for a bus so you can get more people? He's like, you think the Lord is fooled by some of our prayers, thinking that, you know, I mean, the Lord knows your heart. Right. He's going to give you that which you need. That's so, true, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can't put on the front. You know, no. it's like even even as he says, like, come as you are, like, you know, if you're, if you're, called, to, if you're called to go to a, a ministry or before people, you wouldn't just try to shape up just because you're in their presence and be like, oh, um, I better, you know, pray or better. I mean, we we should always do it regardless, but we wouldn't want to pretend mm -hmm. just for that moment, and then when we're gone away, exactly. we do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and I've just, you know, you say too? Oh, go ahead. I'm just gonna say that just by knowing in the Bible that it's hard to get into the kingdom of heaven by riches, uh -huh. like that makes me not want to be rich <laughs> yeah that makes exactly. me not ever want to ask like for money but just trust that all my needs will be taken mm -hmm. care of because why invite that the people ask for these things not realizing what it really means you yeah. know what they're really praying for mm -hmm. what the weight is and what the cost can be of misuse exactly it's like um, with the lord you have to unload your plate not load it up because yeah. mm -hmm. it seems like man most of that stuff yeah. isn't going which is mm -hmm. what he's he's doing anyway he's 
extracting all these things in our lives so we can fill us up with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I actually had someone tell me one time that if they had gotten a million dollars that they would do so many things with it, but they were trying to be an idolater with it. And I had to tell them, I said, you know, I said, I'm not trying to, you know, badmouth your idea or anything like that. It's like, but from what you just said, don't you think it might be the Lord's will that you not get this money because of the fact that you could get go, you know, you could go into hell if you had a million dollars because mm-hmm. you're going to be an idolater. Because I don't think the issue totally is the money. No. That's why he told. Yeah, it's the it's the, the nature love of money. That's why yeah. he he told um, those uh, guys with the talents. Mm-hmm. He said, "Though you have been faithful over a few things, I will make you faithful over many things." Right. So the Lord watches what we're faithful with right now in yes. order to give. He is like you said. He's not going to give an idolater mm-hmm. a million dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you are faithful with what you have, the Lord has said, "Okay." Now I can really get something going. I'm going to give him $10 million because he is going to further along what I need for people to be taken care of. Exactly. For the kingdom of God to, to you know be reached. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to pour into your cup. But you've got to be faithful with what you have already. Yeah. The Lord knows if you're not faithful with the 100 bucks or $1,000 a week that I give you, there's no way in the world I'm giving you a million so you can, you know, continue on in your life. Even if he gives it to you, it's not yours, it's his. Exactly. And so, you know, you don't become rich. Mm-hmm. You use it to benefit the kingdom. Right. You know? well, so it's not your possession. Exactly. And the Lord has to know that money means pretty much nothing to us. Nor in to order him. Nor to him. <laughs> in order, that, that money is just to, to, to help others. Mm-hmm. But that's how we have to feel like this money means absolutely nothing to me. It, it means nothing to Jesus Christ. You can't take it into heaven with you. You know, he gives it to me so I can give to others. Mm-hmm. You know, he's taking care of my needs. But this is what he needs to know from us is that riches mean nothing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, earthly riches, I should say, mean nothing to me because our treasures are laid up in heaven. That's what the mindset has to be is that when we get this money, if he were to provide it for us, I'm not going to go out and spend it on worldly garbage. You know, and that's money is meaningless. I mean, it doesn't even have any value. That's right. the other secret yeah. they don't tell people. Exactly. It's not backed by anything. It's just charming toilet paper. Yep, it's, and that's what it's going to be used for eventually. <laughs> so, all right, here, um, verse, let's see, 8, verse 8. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, and these shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the works for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. We were just talking about that. Verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So if we want to be just before the Lord, we gotta, we got to live by faith. You know, it's, and I've, I've, heard, I've heard that verse taken out of context, I don't know how many times. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. When I was a kid, the just shall live by faith. What evidence is our faith? If we are wanting to be just, where is the evidence of our faith in Jesus Christ? We can't just say that we have faith and we don't walk out on faith. You know, I mean, that's just, 
if we want to be just before the Lord, how much faith do we really have in Him that He will supplant our every need? You know, are we willing to dig our heels in deep into the, into our carpet and pray before the Lord and seek Him and cry out before Him? Where does our faith lie in Jesus Christ? Verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. So, the Lord is saying here, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. So Christ took on what we could not. As I said in the beginning, Christ took on what we could not upon that tree. As I said, curse is every man, is every one that hangeth on a tree. So Christ took on that curse on the tree, that debt that we could not pay for salvation. He's the only one that could do it. And that, that goes to show us right there that he is the only way, truth, and the life. He is the only living God. These other religions out there that say that uh, uh, what Henry Gruber said, they went and they, they stomped on Buddha's head, and he's like, he didn't feel a thing. You know, it, uh, Elijah, you know, it's, it's talking about to the, the 300 prophets of Baal. 450, yeah. yeah, 450 prophets. Where is your God? Pre-adventure, is he on a journey, or is he, is he a, you know, maybe he's asleep. You know, and he was able to do that because he believed and trusted in the living God. And what happened? He called down fire from heaven because God knew his faith. How many of us are willing to do that, saying, man, your God, he's not even real. He doesn't even exist. My God is the only living God. Let me show you my God. Let me show you Jesus Christ, who's the only truth. How many of us are willing to say that to people? How many, I, I mean, if you think about it, and this has happened to me. Where I, I, I've talked to somebody or I've been walking down the street and like, Lord, please give me the words to say. And this, we should pray that. Lord, give me the words to say to this person. And sometimes I've come across as a, I don't want to offend them kind of manner and stuff. That doesn't work. We have got to be willing to stand up to people and say, my God is the way, the living God. I have faith in him. I want to show you my Jesus Christ. And for people to see that and believe. Not every, now, it's true, not everyone's going to believe. You're going to have people walk by and say, you know, say some stuff. I'm not going to say it out loud. That they're going to say some stuff, and you got to pray over those people. Lord, forgive them. That happened to James and I. We were out there witnessing one day, and a couple walked by, and the, and the guy said, you know, God's going to damn everyone to hell. And he said it in a derogatory manner, too. James and I had to pray for those people. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, save them out of their ignorance. Lord, save them. And this and this is the plea that we should have for those people. Yes. You know, because that's the plea that was made upon our lives. That's right. By intercessors. It's still going on over us. Yes. Jesus is still interceding for his people. Exactly. And the sinner. Yeah. If you have faith also, it's like um, what what is in you of the faith will automatically come out. Mm-hmm. It's like your words, your actions. Your actions will automatically follow up with what's already inside. Mm. So it's like when, when people, when one wonders, like, um, it's almost as if, like, God gives us what to say with the faith that he built us up in. You know, it's like we don't have to um, 
I mean, of course we have to do something, but with with that faith that he places in us, we we do it. You know, it's it's like a it's gonna come out. You know, it's an expression of what he places in us. Exactly. Yeah, and that's definitely being filled with the spirit. You know, whatever yes. the spirit yields. And it's true, and it's just something that, you know, everyone, when we spend time with the Lord, to ask the Lord, Lord, show me where my faith with you is at. Give me a reality check on where my faith is with you so I can do your works, so I can I can hear your voice. And this is something that I've had to do with the Lord. Show me, Lord, that I may walk as you walk. That I, I mean, the Bible, the scripture says that we are to walk as he walked. You know, and I've tried to tell people that they believe in the Lord, and I don't know what part of that they don't get. It says it in the scripture. Do you not believe the scripture? They're like, well, that was that was then, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. If you don't believe that this word is a living, breathing organism, and this is Jesus Christ right here in front of us in His Word, then you don't believe in Him. And if we're not willing to walk as He walked, whatever. Wherever we are with the Lord, we eventually have to get to that. We eventually have to have that understanding in our lives that we are to walk as He walked. And if that's in the Scripture, that means that we got to do it. You know? I'm glad she said about bringing out faith, like shows where our faith is, because I can't remember what week it was, but Sarah and I went out there, and, you know, we had got so used to it being five, six, seven people, you know, whatever out there, and there was like this feeling good, you know, about it. Well, one week, it wasn't even the, matter of fact, it was the day that you came later on the bike, you know, we were there, but I remember having this feeling of like, man, what do we do? And I said, you know, I remember something coming over me and I got so angry, and I said, you know something? You cannot rely on people, you know, and I want the Lord to make me feel uncomfortable every single week out here, even if it's just me. Why? Because you want to know what that feeling is when it's just you and the Lord. That bothered me mightily. And I was concerned about who showed up and who didn't. You can't get close to God with people or thinking that, you know, well, all right, how many we got? All right, we got a nice little group. I know when we first walked out there, I wasn't thinking that, but over a few weeks, I started to have this mindset of, yeah, you know, many, strong and many. But and when it turned back down to like two or three people, I was like, Lord, let me feel this every week until I get used to it, until I get sick of it. Oh, you know, and it just becomes a normal thing. Yeah. But you want to you want to be uncomfortable with Christ because that's that's when he shows up. Because when you're there in numbers and you think that you got a big group, man, hey, that's not how the Lord works. It's great to have many doing a job but I wanted to feel comfortable and you know what even if it's just me let me throw me in the inferno until I get sick of it until it burns off of me until I can I can make no difference between or or make no distinction between many and few Mm -hmm. or just me that's where I wanted to be you know I got sick of that like This isn't working, man. You can't have your faith in people. And I'm not speaking against anybody. I'm just saying in general, we should have that uncomfortableness with Christ. Because, you know, then once that burns off, ain't no difference to me. Whether it's 100 or 1, I'm just going to go there and say what I need to say. It's 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 similar to, like, um, the five wise versions versus the five foolish versions. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like uh, the five wise, they um, they were concerned with the bride coming 
Mm-hmm. And exactly. And like they were like, uh, so when the foolish ones came, they're like, "Give us your, you know, oil for our lamps." And they're like, "Not so. <laughs> you know, we we got what we got for our own. Like we can't we can't be concerned with what you got, what this person got. You know, we we all all I know is that we're ready." We, we stand ready, and that's it. Exactly. And that's, that's what I might say. Well, well, go buy for yourselves, yeah. you know. And that is something else that I'm glad you said that because too many people today are looking for a group salvation or they're looking for a pastor or for a minister to save them. And it's like they're looking, and I'm not saying that we can't go to places to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We should be around a body of believers and during prayer and stuff like that. And it is stronger that way. But we got to understand something is that our salvation is not based upon what someone tells us. It's not based upon mm-hmm. their interpreter of the scripture. And Lord, I hope what they say is correct in your word. And they're not misusing it for their own gain. But we got to understand is that if the Lord wants to work through us, people have got their own ministry set up. Or people have got their own resume. And people are doing things for the Lord. Hopefully it's right. But the Lord wants to know, can I work through you? Are you willing to be uh, uh, just you and I at times, and I work through you? It's not always about 10, 12, 13 people going out and doing Mm -hmm. something. I want to know, the Lord says, well, if I tell you to go and walk and pray over an area, will you do it in my strength? Just you and I. You know, if I tell you to go down the street and do something, do you need a group of people to go with you? Or do you believe in me enough that yeah. I am all that you need? Yeah, it makes me think like um, you, like our relationship with Christ shouldn't be through somebody else. Exactly. If he says he lives in us, and if he tells us he lives in all of us, like he doesn't say like, I live in all of you, um, or I'll... You communicate with me because I live through them. Mm-hmm. It's not. He said he lives in, in us, so Amen. our relationship cannot be through somebody else. He says it's, it's, he lives in us, and that's it. Exactly, and too many people are depending on others to do it for them yeah. instead that's of them I'm being willing to do it themselves. I mean, let's say that you've got a, a family member, uh, a parent's got a child that's doing something crazy. So it's like, do you call up? Hey, and there's nothing wrong for asking with for asking for prayer. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But are we willing to 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 get down when, and Lord, my child's in trouble. Use me that they may be healed. Why is it that we always call on someone else for that healing? Like, where's your relationship? If exactly. Life, if Christ lives in you. You know, Christ can do it. But then again, he did, he did give us apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. Right. But I agree with what everything is being said here. When will you be perfected? If you're not perfected in 10 years, then, I mean, come on, are you really seeking the Lord? Do you really have a relationship with him? But yeah. one thing I'm learning is I will not do anything with a group that I will not do by myself. Exactly. Because, you know, that that's where you really need to know mm. I'm in. Yes. Like whether whether other people, I've, I've dedicated Wednesdays to going out there, and that's the day that, you know, we go out and we do it. Mm-hmm. If everyone shows, great. If no one shows, great. I'm going to do what I need to do. Yeah. That's just it. That was my commitment to the Lord. That wasn't anybody else's, you know? Yeah, I've learned that too, like, when what you do by yourself and alone without a group, you would do with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you would you would show um, your true self of who you are when you when you don't have that group of friends around you. And when they come, you would still apply those those same characteristics, you know, it's you don't need them but when they're around you you're friendly. You know, those are just examples like you're kind, mm-hmm. you know. 
it's just like when you're in a study group studying for a test or you're studying what the material that's in front of you right everyone's given the same material to study but the tests are individual tests you don't take the test at the same t uh, you know in, in the same area so that way one person can cheat off of another person you're tested individually to see where your knowledge is at mm -hmm. and this is what the lord wants to do for us it's like i've given everyone the scripture you all have it ready we all have it ready and available but where is our faith where is our test in the lord going to lie when when it, he allows things to happen to us you know so um and that's where the lord you know i think he threw us out there and you know he's i can feel him pushing more with everyone in his ministry because he's almost telling us you need some stripes you mm. need a testimony you need to get out there and get some experience right because you cannot just stay and, and be away from it and think that it's not going to change you it changed me in a matter of weeks yes. first week we came out it was four of us second third fourth week it was like seven of us you know and then it like dropped down to like three or two and right away i got used to that group you know and it was just like man what is happening to me yeah. so our faith really does have to be in him no matter what we do yeah. that's just it exactly i mean it's something that's really good is of course, do what the Lord calls us to do. But going out and walking and praying over an area yeah. and, and talking to people as they come by. And it's just you and the Lord. And you don't have a whole lot of people around you seeing where your faith is at. Lord says, I want you to talk to that person. Talk to that person. Be obedient. You never know what's going to happen in that situation. That he's showing up the most is mm -hmm. when I'm at impossible odds and it's just him and I. I mean, those are the times. It's not that he's not with us as a group, but right. there are times when he knows, okay, it's about five against one up in here. You know, I'm going to stand behind my guy. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to speak through him. But it's almost like, man, when you are out there alone, it, it really is this feeling of, Lord, it's just you and I. If you're not going to save me from this mob, I'm not going to be saved. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. Hanging yourself exactly. down on the limb. Yes. And the faith will abound if, if you do as obedience and the people get saved. Or the faith will abound if they... Take your life. Guess what? Sudden, sudden death, sudden glory. If you're doing the Lord's will in that work. Yeah. I was just reminded today that um, it's like keep the faith is what I was reminded of. And um, when God puts you through something, uh, there's, there's no need for him to, um, he won't help you, to put it frank, because uh, he, one, he won't put more on us than we can bear. And if he knows you can do it, then he won't. Um, it makes me think of Jesus when Jesus was going through everything. He goes, let this cup pass from me. And we know the Father didn't answer because Jesus was sent to sac to be a, a living sacrifice for us. Mm -hmm. But also, Jesus could do it. Mm -hmm. he, he, Jesus didn't need help at all. Like, um, when he called out to the Father, um, he, there was no answer because Jesus could do it. And what I was reminded of also is that the moment when we faint, that's when God will carry us when we can't do it no more. When That's when, out yeah, when we die out. And yeah. um, when we're doing God's will and we're doing it, keeping His commandments and being faithful, that moment when we faint, that's when I was reminded of when you would see two footprints in, in mm -hmm. the sand oh, yeah. as opposed to just, just, just your own. <laughs> what was it? Uh, was it last Tuesday, I think, when Carlin was up here and he was saying that he gave a good example. He wanted to come to Bible study, but something was hindering him and he said he started praying he about asked it the Lord he asked the Lord he yeah. said I didn't get in didn't pray more than a few seconds and the Lord said go to Bible study 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, and that's awesome when we can have that kind of communication yes. with the Lord. That Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? And He answers yes. him like like that. Go to Bible study, you know. And that's that's the 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 open relationship that we should have with the Lord. That when we get down before Him, we can be praying just for a few seconds. I want you to go do this. Mm-hmm. Having that surety, Lord, is this what you want me to do with it? If you you already know that I want you to do that. No, go do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. So, verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, what is he saying here? Go out and tell the people of the world of Jesus Christ. So we have, to, I mean, the gospel is to be preached into all the nations, as it says in Matthew 24, then the end shall come. So it might not even be that we're outside of the United States and the gospel be preached. It might very well be that we stay here in Portland or wherever the Lord leads us to go. And the funny thing is, is that as bad as it is right now, it's going to get worse. Yes. before the end comes. It's going to get a lot worse. We're seeing, we're, I believe that we're in the beginning of the last days. It has already started. Those, those dominoes have already been pushed over and they're going. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get worse. Portland is not even the worst city in the United States. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of a sad affair to see because of how pretty bad it is here. This is not even the worst place. This is not even the worst place in the world. But And this is... What I've started having an understanding is that, yeah, if the Lord calls us to go across the ocean and, and minister to people in other countries, hey, let's go. Let's not wait. Lord, provide. Yes. Lead, lead me to where you want me to go. But we can be a ministry wherever we are. In our job, amongst our family, talking to people on the street, wherever he calls us to go. Let's be led by the Holy Spirit. Let's have that faith because it says uh, uh, it might come into the Gentiles. With the Gentiles... Or the people that don't believe in Jesus Christ. So we've got to go out and talk to these people. And let's go wherever he leads us to go. Let's have that, that faith that wherever we go, Lord, I know you're going to tell me to talk to somebody while I'm out here. Lord, leave somebody in my path that I can talk to that person. But when we pray that, expect that someone's going to come in our path for us mm-hmm. to talk to that person. And, you know, be, be obedient unto that. Yeah, just um, last week. Are you going to go to another chapter? Uh, James one, but go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, just this past week, I remember I was telling him that the Lord wanted me to speak to this uh, pimp, you know, drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And I know where I got the sense that the Lord wanted me to speak to him was I saw him everywhere I went. It was like everywhere. If I was coming out of, out of Safeway, there he was. You know, across the street. It was like, no matter where, this guy and I always link up. You know, he's always about his business, so he'll look at what's up, man, and keep walking. So finally, the opportunity came, because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hesitant. I got things to do. I got stuff going on. What if I proclaim something over this guy, and he actually ends up getting arrested? Then it's going to look like I said something, you know, whatever. So, you know, it was just me more being lazy than being scared or whatever. And I'm just, I started thinking... Yeah, I'll get to him when I get time. Well, this past Wednesday, we were out there talking. The Lord brought him, and he sat at the bus stop. <laughs> yeah. All right, now the Lord is like, are you going to do it or what? I brought him to you. So finally, when Special I first delivery. walked over, you can feel that presence of the spirit that was around him that was, like, negative. You know, just 
nasty. Yeah. And I walked over to him, and um, I was like, how you doing, man? He was like, what's up? You can tell he's looking around, you know, and everything. And I said, hey, um, I said, believe it or not, the Lord sent me to come and talk to you. And he was like, you know, I got a lot going on right now. I said, hey, can I pray for you? And he said, I always need prayer. And see, in prayer, I started telling, I started talking about his life, so I know he knew what mm -hmm. I knew what he was doing. But I mean, you know, the Spirit told me to, to say it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say it. So I was like, Lord, you know what he's doing? Clean up his life, change his life. And I know he must have been thinking like, geez, what do you think of me? But I noticed he was looking around for prayer, and I felt the Spirit tell me to tell him, Hey, man, you were raised in church. You know better than this. You got no business out here doing what you're doing. That's what the Spirit was telling me to say. But instead, I said, all right, man, you know, I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you, whatever. Anytime you need prayer, I'll pray for you. But the Spirit really convicted me after that. No, I told you to tell this man that you, I know where your roots were. I know that you were raised to know the Lord, and you got no business doing this. But, you know, my carnal mind kicked in, and I don't want to be rude. But you see, had I obeyed the Lord, this guy may have been set free. You never know. So yes. we can't abandon what the Lord tells you to do. Yes. You've got to be obedient to the Spirit. Sorry, James 1. Yeah, James 1 and verse 2. All right, James 1 and 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That is so very true. So very true that the working... That the trying of our of our faith doth work its patience. Um, all right, verse four. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of, of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given, shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Mm. And so, and, and this is true as well. So, it's saying right here that we are to count it all joy when our faith is tempted. And when we come into, or when our faith is tried and we come into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. Why? Well, if we look at Job, what happened to him? The Lord knew that Job... To, like you were saying, Christ could take it on the cross. The Lord knew that Job could handle anything that was to come his way. Have you considered my servant Job? And this is what it is saying. Job, it, it, we already talked about it, but if, if we look what the, through, through everything that he went through, he never cursed the Lord. So if we come into diverse temptations, if, if we are tried through that furnace of affliction, we are to count it all joy because that means that the Lord believes that we are worthy to go through it. Have you considered my servant this person or that person that they can go through it? They'll never curse me. They will still rely on me. They will never give up. You can't make them doubt no matter what you put them through. They're not going to doubt no matter what we're going through. And I'm not going to sit here and list all the things that are, that are on me right now that the devil's tried to get me doubt with. That's not the point. But the Lord, he will let us go through those things that he knows that we can handle. And I, I brought this up before, but... You know, when I went through military basic training, especially when I went through the Army basic training, it's very physically challenging. 
And there were times that, you know, of course, I'm glad that the Lord delivered me from that situation, but the point I'm trying to make here is, is that there were times I wanted to give up. I can't do this. It's too hard. You know, I'm not physically up to the challenge. But the one thing that the, the, that the drill sergeants know is that you're either going to make it or they're going to break you. One of the two. But it's never going to be hard enough to where it's like it literally physically hurts you. Now, today's military is different. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that they know that the person can handle it. They just have to break, you have to break that mindset that you can't do it. And this is what the Lord wants to do to us. If we are to be those warriors for Him, we are, if we are going to be a part of the army of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be a part of His remnant, the mindset's got to be broken off of us that we can't do it. Because in Jesus Christ, we can go further than we ever imagined. In Him only in Jesus Christ and that's the mindset he's got to break off of us is that this is where our faith lies in him is that are you going to believe in me to carry you through if you're walking with me or are you going to cower and back away saying Lord I can't do this it's too hard what if Christ had set that up on the cross I can't do this it's too hard that would have been been, exactly but he's putting us through a military type basic training it's going to hurt at times We're going to feel physical pain at times. We're going to feel like, man, I cannot go another step. This weight that's on my back, it's too heavy to carry. You know, my feet are lagging. Uh, At the end of Army basic training, when we went through, we were out in the field for for three days, I think. At the end of it, we got to do a 10-mile ruck march back to the barracks. Full rucksack, M16, you're covered in your full gear, and you're already tired because of all the stuff that you did before and you don't think that you can make it, but then somewhere towards mile five, it's like your endorphins kick in and you just can't wait to get back to the barracks and you're willing to do everything to get there. And that's something that's gotta really happen with us is sometimes maybe around the fifth mile of our walk with the Lord, and before that, man, it's like, it's too hard, I can't do this. And around the fifth mile, we just wanna get to the, the the kingdom of heaven so badly Jesus. that we'll do anything in Jesus Christ to get yes, there. That burden becomes that much lighter. And we just start to think, no matter what, Lord, no matter what happens to me in my physical body, because it's going to die anyways. You know, Satan's tried to attack me physically. I'm not going to say by what. I just won't. But he's tried, tried to attack me physically. He's tried to attack me spiritually. He's, I mean, every, every way that Satan can attack you. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that he won't. He will to try and get you to doubt. He will bring up old things from your past. Mm-hmm. He will bring up people that you 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 know you, you hurt twenty or ten years ago or something like that. He'll do anything to get you to doubt in your Jesus Christ. Yeah. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And say, Lord, you have brought me too far to give up. Now I cannot give up. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. A testament. I think I shared this with you before, but um. I remember when I used to run cross country in high school, and this was like the first time I've done this before. I've, I'm, I'm not a, I mean, all I know is that it's in my heart to do it, um, but I've never done it before. So um, my coach came up to me, he goes, uh, we need you. And I was thinking like, I'm not that kind of a person, you know, like to, like I'm, I'm competitive, but not, differently, you know. Um, so the, um, the meet started and um, my mindset was on, Jesus like to perform for him like not to perform for man or anybody and the coach goes like uh, those other schools are saying like you know we're bad we suck 
and he was trying to get me pumped up. And I was like, I'm, I was like, all right, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not. That doesn't make me change. You know, my mind is in Christ. So when the um the guy starts to hit the gun, and then um I, I I'm very nervous by the way, like very nervous. Like um, when the gun starts, we all start, and um it was a false start. And I was like, wow, if, if that didn't make, if this doesn't make me even more nervous, you know, to start back over again when I'm already ready. It's like when you said um when you throw the first punch, the you know, fear just goes yeah, the fear goes away, right. but gotta restart again, yeah. And so the second time um once we started, I was like. Like, my nervousness increased much more. And um, once we started, I was, like, almost dead last. Like, I was, like, I felt it. Like, my heart was pounding. I was scared. And I was like, just focus. Keep your mind on Christ. Keep your mind on Christ. And next thing you know, it started raining. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, here's one thing. I was like, just focus. Just focus. Like, I felt, like, rain, like, slushing down in my shoes. And I was like, man, is, is this going to slow me down? I was like, doesn't matter. Just focus. And then I heard our teammates on the sidelines like, James, catch that other person, catch. And I was like, oh, I was like, do you have any idea? I was like, everything's just trying to bother me to get me unfocused. And I was like, just keep your mind on Jesus. Keep your mind on Christ. And then like these other teams was cursing at me like, you slow, slow down. Like really aggressive, like mean, like attacking me with like words. And I was just like, oh. I looked at him and I, I got frustrated. I was like, focus, just focus. And that's, you know, like, uh, I, I, I didn't even pay attention to it, but I was third place. Like, out of wow. probably, like, uh, probably out of, like, 15 people, I was third. And these two people I was behind were state runners. And then, uh, eventually, I, I, pa I passed them. I was, like, first for, like, a, a lap. This was, like, the last lap. And I was, like, first. And then, eventually, those two state runners beat me. But the point is, like, I finished third. And then, like, afterwards, it was, like, that, um... It was like Jesus picked me up from that spot of like, you know, you, you did well. Like, you didn't you didn't give in. And then they were like, it was like they acknowledged me. They were like, um, are you a state runner? I was like, no, no, I don't I don't run state at all. I was like, it was like, well, we're state runners. Like, you, you did pretty good. And I was like, I, I have no words to say right now. Like, it, but th that's just, this is just all glory to God. Like, in terms of what you were saying, like, uh, testing your faith and like how will you remain faithful until the end because right. I was tired like this was like a, a two three mile run and I was you know like beat like every every turn I went every chance I got like there was something trying to beat at me trying to make me stop and slow down mm -hmm. but um through through Christ Jesus that was in my mind that helped me to continue and that you know I, I it was able to finish the race so um yeah, it's a testimony. It's the same. Can I add something on to that? Mm -hmm. um, I think endurance running really pushes your mental capacity to be able to stay strong. I think that's what we do in our walk, mm -hmm. spiritual walk, is, you know, to endure. Because, um, like, I know in volleyball, we test for the mile, but it's not for anything to do with volleyball, but to push them mentally, to push past the pain. But every athlete knows mm -hmm. that there is a place that you get to where your mental and your physical shuts down completely. Yep. And you know it was something spiritual that took over because exactly. you, it's like you're aware, but you're like, I've got no control over this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and you just feel lifted, like breathed on. Mm -hmm. And then you, when you're done, you turn around and you're like, how did I do that? I mean, if you believe in Jesus, you know yes. that the mm -hmm. spirit took over. But exactly. there is a place where your mental, physical, and even your emotional you know, side just shuts down, but mm -hmm. you just keep on going, yes. and you don't know what it is. 
You can hear your heart. I mean, pumping for real. You know it was the Lord that took you through because nothing you had physically, mentally, or emotionally could carry you that yeah. far. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we mm-hmm. they do three PT tests in, in basic training. And the last one is your last one to see if you're fit enough to join. And I've never been a very good endurance runner. I hated it for the passion. It just wasn't for me. And so the, last, the run always made me the more nervous because I was like, man, I'm never going to do well on this and stuff. And But I finished it faster than I'd ever run it before. And that's, again, like you're saying, it's like you're mental and you're, it's like you shut down and something else takes over to get you to that, that last few minutes when your legs are in your mind are just like, I can't go anymore. I'm hurting. You know, I don't care how I'm breathing. I'm hurting. You know, and it's a good point that you made up because it's not always about finishing first. It's about finishing mm-hmm. faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finishing the race. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Finishing faithful, yes. Mm-hmm. Finishing the race. You want to win. You want to last. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's glorious. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is not to point out anybody else uh, on what they were thinking, but who knows how they were thinking? You know, who, who knows their mindset of, like, I'm going to finish, and my point is, like, I want to finish first and, you know, gloat. Who knows where their mindset was, you know, mm-hmm. but... As, as, if, as one is communing with Jesus Christ and doing things, uh, acknowledging Him through everything, um, and doing, being faithful. So, yeah, it is exactly it, like finishing faithfully. Exactly. Verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So that's talking about the man that's driven in our toss to and fro. So if we truly believe in the Lord, our mindset can't be you know, Lord, are you going to do this or are you not going to do this? We have to have the faith that he is going to do it if we ask in his name and if we are true and we are faithful and we're not trying to be selfish in what we ask for. All right, John 1 and verse 11. John, St. John 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So he will give power to those that believe in him. It says it right here. Verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we've got to be born of God. We've got to be, you know, we are physically birthed into this earth, into this world. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we've got to be spiritually rebirthed in Him, that His will can be done on us. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So if we are, if we really want to have the Lord manifested in, in us, we've got to have the faith that He can do this. We've got to have the faith that when He lives in us, in every situation that He puts us in or puts us through, He's there. Yes, He's there with true. us. 
in every situation, we may not always know why he sends us somewhere. We may not always know where he has us go for whatever reason. He knows. He wants to know, do you have the faith to go this place and talk to these people? You know, sometimes he might call you, you know what, I want you to go to Lloyd Center and walk around that place, and I want you to pray over it, and I want you to talk to these people, and I want you to go there. And sometimes he may not always give you why he wants you to go there right away. He just says go. Are we willing to get up and go and do what he asks us to, to do, however long it takes us to be there? That's what he wants to know. Are you faithful unto me? Sometimes he may just want to see if you're willing to go to somewhere. may not always be specifically that we talk to someone. Most of the time I would agree it is. He wants to know, are you faithful and obedient to go to this place because I've called you to go there? He wants to know where our faith with him is at. And he says here that he can give power unto the sons of God. So if we're truly born of God and we truly believe in him, then he can give us that power. We've got to have that faith. All right. Um, John 6, 35. And get John 20 while we're at it. John 6, 35 and John 20 in verse 37. i got two places here. John 6 and 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. All right, real quick, let's go to John 20 and verse 27. This is when Jesus came back and he appeared unto the disciples. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither, to, reach th hither my finger, and behold my hand, and reach hither my hand and trust and thrust into thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing and thomas answered and said unto him my lord and my god jesus said unto him thomas because thou hast seen me thou believest blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe so in saying that is that it's easier for people to believe and trust in things that they can physically see around us. You know, we, we believe in money because we can see money. We believe in a job because we can see the job. We believe in people because we can see people. But what faith do we have to believe in Jesus Christ, someone who we've never physically seen? Now, some people say that they've had visions and say that they have seen them, and I don't doubt that if they're being truthful. But we've never physically walked with Jesus Christ on this earth. We've had to have the faith to believe that he is there. Because people are trying to say, where is this God of yours? You know, why hasn't he come back yet? Why hasn't he done this? Why hasn't he done that? In Jesus' time, all things will be done. Yes. You can't pay attention to what people are saying. You can only take them to the scriptures where it said, in the last days, thou shall be mockers and scoffers. Yes. In the last days. So this goes to show you, we're in the last days because people are really mocking God, saying, where is this God of yours? Jesus Christ, when he stands up and he comes back, trust me, those people will be made silent. Yes. Even before then, mm -hmm. when his church gets that ladder rain poured on it, yes. they're going to see something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So very true. You going to say something? Oh, okay. That's yeah. true. All right. Um, verse 36. But I said unto you, 
that ye also have seen me and believed not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So the Father gave Jesus Christ everything. He and Jesus Christ are one. He gave him everything to walk on this earth and to be able to do what he did. Jesus Christ can do the same for us if we're willing to do his will and have that faith in him. He's not going to cast anyone else if we're coming to him. But we've got to, whatever we find that takes the place of Jesus Christ, it's got to be taken away from us. If there's anything that we have in our life that we give more time to than the Lord, you know, it's just like, Lord, if there's anything that's keeping me from having a relationship with you, take it away from me. Take away the idols. Take away the stumbling blocks. Take away whatever it is, Lord, Jesus. that just yes. puts a veil between you and I. Take it away. Yes. We don't want those things in our life. If it's, not, if it's not drawing us closer to the Lord, it's taking our faith away from the Lord. And those things should be taken out of our life because it's taking the time away from the Lord. That, and that's something I've had to pray recently. You know, Lord, whatever idols I have, whatever it is, Lord, just take it away so I can follow you, so I can be that much closer to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what it is. You know, it, whatever it is, Lord, take it away. That way my faith can grow in you. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, last place, Mark 10 and 46. Yes, Mark 10 and 46. And they came to Jericho, and as as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Lord, thou the son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more, (laughs) the more a great deal. He wasn't going to be silent. He knew who Jesus Christ was. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind men, saying unto him, Be of good cheer, rise, he calleth thee. Now remember, Bartimaeus was blind. So how did he know that Jesus was in town if he was blind? Something had to transform there for him to know that Jesus was in town, unless it was a great cry that went out. Mm -hmm. So he knew that Jesus was there, even though he was blind. And he, casting away his garment rose up and came to Jesus. He, casting away his garment, rose up and came to Jesus. If we put off the old man, we rise up and come to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto Jesus, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith, have made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He put off his garment and he asked the Lord to receive his sight. And he, because he had the faith and he would not be silent, he cried, Son of David, Jesus Christ, I know you. I know that's you. 
And although the people tried to silence Bartimaeus, he was not going to be silent because his faith was just that great that he could receive sight in Jesus Christ. That's pretty much the lesson, but I just want to say to everyone, I think that this was the good closing that we need to really just truly cast off the old man in Jesus Christ that we mm -hmm. might receive our sight. Yes. Paul mm -hmm. didn't receive his sight in Jesus Christ until he was cast off the donkey, mm -hmm. and then he received his sight. He had to pray and fast for three days, and he had to be transformed, and what happened? Caught fire. This man here followed Jesus Christ in the way after he received his sight, but he had his sight. But he had the faith first. So that's all I have. Take it away, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, yeah, I felt. Like just this past week, like super attacked almost on my faith. So the study was really good for me. Um, more as I'm a person who wants to do the best I can in everything I do. And that includes serving the Lord. And sometimes I almost feel like I don't do a good enough job. Or I'm just like my worst critic or I condemn myself and hold on to things um, longer than what the Lord wants me to. And I've noticed that um, this has kind of really dragged me down into just feeling the Spirit working in me daily and just how, and seeing myself in the way that God sees me. Um, so, I don't know, I heard this saying, um, like, beautiful mess. And like, coming to the Lord, I was a mess. Just like these wires, I just envision these wires just all tangled up, thinking, like searching for a way outside of um, God or Christ. And uh, once you accept God and start seeking Him more, He slowly starts bending these cords and untangling that takes friction um, and works things out of you. But it's a day-by-day -day process as He's working through you in the Spirit um, to transform you into the new creation. And so that's the beautiful part. He is taking that mess and straightening it. And that doesn't always feel good during those trials and everything. And Satan will put more and more on you, more pressure on you, more lies to you, to or manipulate the scriptures, to try and get you to lose focus mm -hmm. on God mm -hmm. and lose your faith. And um, something he's just been teaching me, like, just daily continue to be intimate with me no matter what it is through prayer and just focus on that I have a calling for you and as you seek me I will reveal that to you and that is where you're going to find your straight and narrow path um, so I want to start at um, Ephesians 2 and 8 Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I feel like I've been trying to work for my righteousness almost, um, and not really fully receiving the gift of 
God's promises that he's never going to forsake me. And from him is where I draw my strength. And through the faith and the hearing of the word is where I'm going to draw my strength. And um, he is the most, like, even us having faithful in him, what inspires me is his faithfulness to me. How he has never left me. Mm-hmm. He would break down barriers, pull chains off me, strongholds. You know, in my ignorance, when I didn't know things I was saying to people or doing and actions in like my old life or just continuing day as I grow with him, um, he still goes out of his way with this fighting love to show you how he will never leave you. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just the ultimate example of faith. But in love, yeah, and I for a while wasn't receiving it. I was pushing it away or trying to let these works define me in my place with the Lord. And um, this scripture hit me because he's like, you just need to focus on me and we'll rebirth you. We'll get you there. So let's go down to 10. For we are his workmanship. So workmanship means new creation. It's our spiritual birth. Um, I looked it up in the strong concordance. In the Greek, it's um, poemia, and it means a product, thing that is made, a new creation. Mm-hmm. And it also references um, the Greek word poio, poio, and it means to bring forth, to make or do, to cast out, which I thought, you know, God's continuing to pull things out of us to fulfill, so fulfill his calling for us. Gain, to give, he gives his love, um, he gave his begotten son. Ordain, have purged. There's a purpose, raising up, work, or yield. And all those are just help me understand, like, the Spirit working in me. And God fearfully, wonderfully made us. And as we accept the Spirit in this new covenant with Christ, He is daily teaching us how to be and counseling us how to be that new man. Mm-hmm. And He lets us go through that pain of breaking, things, breaking those wires straight again. Um, that friction so that we can learn and understand what's going on, what he needs us um, to see. So I'll read the whole scripture. For we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So walk in Christ. Another thing is, is um, our salvation comes and then good works follow. It's not um, good works happen first and then salvation because we're not saved that way we can't earn it Um, yeah and that's something yeah exactly it's hard for me because I want to have control (laughs) I've had to like Lord just let me let go and just let you work Mm -hmm. let the spirit work and submitting to him Um, that's part of my me just being a perfectionist and always want to succeed in everything I do but sometimes I have to remind myself you don't succeed in anything your flesh is weak the Lord is the one that will succeed through you. You know, you're here to glorify Him. Um, and then I want to go to Mark 9 and 23. It's kind of interesting because I prayed before coming and wasn't really sure what I wanted to talk about. And 
the Lord gave me this and I did not feel comfortable with it. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say up there. Um, <laughs> like, but the study the just goes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't know what you want yeah. to say. Yeah. And I didn't feel prepared, even though I, I put it all down. I read it all out. like prayed mm-hmm. about it. I knew his voice mm-hmm. told me, you need to talk about this and present this. But um, I felt just, just not confident, not prepared, you know, mm-hmm. but. I think that's him teaching me too to let the spirit just work through Trust you. Him. That's right. Yeah, um, and building that faith, which mm-hmm. I feel like I've been attacked on this last week, um, just doubting myself and um, just my walk with Christ and where I want to be, and um, realizing I need to be patient and still continue to just my relationship with Him. Right. So, Mark nine and twenty three, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. All things are possible in him that believeth. All things are possible in him that trusts in God. So this goes perfectly with our study. Uh, 24, and straightway, so building those wires from being a mess, going back into his beautiful way, straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help, help thou mine unbelief. So before the father is this guy who... Um, his kid is deaf and dumb, and he's been like that for a very long time, and he's come to Jesus asking, you know, if you will, can you, if it's possible, can you, you know, heal and make him right? And he's coming to him, but he still has, like, this part of him that is um, not believing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jesus corrects him and says, if you believe, all things are possible. And then, like, making it straight, working that out in him, and he, with tears, his heart is in the right place. He's at a desperate, vulnerable place saying, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. So, what I've had to be honest with myself and is sometimes, um, and I don't think it's in my heart to not believe, but I think the things being in the world and the things around me yeah. and Satan trying to talk to me build these seeds of unbelief that I don't even realize are there. Like, I would never profess it or anything. And the Lord has told me, you know, you need to recognize these things, be honest with them, Amen. confess them to me so I can take it away from you. Yes. It's yeah. okay. Amen. Like, don't try to think you have it all together. Mm-hmm. We are imperfect. And when we come to him in that vulnerability, um, that's wise, you know, confessing our sins or our um, downfalls or mm-hmm. even just whatever it is. And especially of the mind, I feel that's like Satan really tries to deceive you there and pull you away um, yes, in our faith. And so that's just something I've been really trying to just keep telling myself, like, Lord, I believe, I believe, I put my faith in you. Please take away any unbelief, rebuke the spirits that are trying to come and plant that in me because I will not have it. And just making a stand and professing it out loud with your words has really um, helped me. And it's interesting because I've been praying like the last like two weeks for some reason, this big focus on discerning of spirits has been in my mind and I've just been researching it and praying for it and it's interesting how you know you kind of be careful what you pray for because <laughs> then now all of a sudden like the last few days I've been feeling and it's usually at nighttime like when witchcraft is happening I'll feel this really strong sense of evil or this really demonic like I am afraid for my life for no reason just being in my apartment and I know something's trying to attack me and it's like I can't see anything with my eyes but I can feel it so strong, I immediately rebuke it, and just my the peace just floods in me, and like I know what to do, but like the Lord's training me to trust in Him. Immediately it goes away, it doesn't linger, but that still 
at some time was testing my face, like, why is this happening? Why are these things coming after me? You know, like, what did I do wrong? Like, you know, I believe. But the Lord had to show me, you didn't do anything wrong. You asked for something. I'm slowly giving it to you, and I'm teaching you through it. And um, with that, you're building faith because you're seeing that you calling upon me is bringing instantly, like, the peace flooding upon you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I have. Awesome. I want to say something uh, before we close because, you know, I'm actually feeling good about what went on. I think these are yours. Uh, what went on with the, um, the study today. You know, I think that one of the biggest things that we can pray is that our flesh not be glorified mm-hmm. when we present or do anything for Christ. I've noticed today, like I was telling Sarah at one point when she started doing the studies, that, you know, we all get to this place of, like, emulations. You know, we hear and we see people do things, and then we try and do them. But I knew when Sarah was really changing and going to the next level with the Lord because there began to be a brokenness in her speech or in her presentation. It was kind of like it's usually a very inward look at things when you're doing something. It's not about, because when we first start out, you know, we know stuff. It's kind of like a, yeah, well, Ephesians this says that. And then there's like this, I'm learning my Bible, I'm doing well, you know. But when you start to get to a certain level with the Lord, he's got to break you. He's got to show you that without me, you can do nothing. And I noticed when Sarah started to present, like it was inward. And I know people are like, well, we already see you as a man or woman of God. Why are you talking down of yourself? You're not talking down of yourself. The Holy Ghost is revealing to you who you are and what you're doing. And I think that, Christina, you know, we'll pray for you, but you're in the right place with God Amen. that he's showing you and he's going to take you to the next level. I mean, and, you know, and I'm not saying anybody's on another level than anyone, but he's got to break us. A broken and contrite heart God won't despise. So I know that with he's, what he's doing with you, you're in the perfect place to be. Yeah. I got, I, just to talk about attacks, Christina was talking about, uh, what was a Saturday morning? I got attacked right on my couch by a succubus, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not even going to lie to you. I mean, by the time I realized what was going on, you know, it was like already happening to the point to where I had to rebuke it and it left. But... The, the devil right now, I've noticed that if he can't get you to willfully do something, then we can't let our guard down because he's in the process of stealing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, if if I catch you, once the devil knows that he can't willfully get you to do something, then all he does is sit around and wait for your guard to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you've been feeding on something too much, TV, the yes. world, whatever, and he starts to see that armor peel back, and there he is for the attack. But like I said... I was attacked in my sleep, wasn't even aware of what was going on. I moved from my bedroom into the living room, and I was just sitting on the couch, and I just dozed off. Because usually I'll sit out here for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes, you know, like to get your mind going. That was all the devil needed to try and do what he could to me. So the attacks are going to be out because he's recognizing that the Lord is squeezing us to the point to where he's molding and shaping. We're kind of like in, in somewhat of an inferno right now because we're all going through something. But the Lord wants us to, you know, he's trying to let us know you can't do any of this aside from me. Amen. So you're in a perfect place with the Lord because 
once your look, like when we get saved, our look is outward. All we want to do is be free and we want to tell everybody. But man, when you get to a certain level and you get broken, you start looking inward. Then you start questioning everything you say with other people because you know that, okay, there's a mirror looking back at me. You're in a perfect place with the Lord. And I'm proud that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the Lord has got you where he's got you where he's got us all right now. All of us are in need of something, and we're all going through something, and it's all something that we can't control aside from Jesus. This is exactly where he wants us to be so that he may carry us. So, you know, I'm proud, you know, that, that the Lord is dealing with you, and I love what you presented. I love what Sarah did today, you know, and he's continuing to break me because it just gets to this point with us where we feel like I've got it. And then you realize, man, you don't have anything <laughs> right. aside oh, from Jesus. Right. right. You know, so that's all I have to say. You know, I enjoyed today's study. I enjoyed everybody's presentation. And if you guys don't mind, I would like to pray. That's okay. Totally. Right. Unless anybody else has something on their heart, they can pray afterwards. Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for another day. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are in fellowship with us today. And I thank you, Lord, for those who couldn't make it. And I pray, Lord, that although we go through these times and though we deal with all the things that we go through, that you will be there, Lord, because you are God and that you are a faithful father, a faithful shepherd. You're an awesome God that would do anything for his people. And, Lord, I'm just asking that you just give us your anointing, Lord. Place your spirit upon us. Break us, Lord, so that we may be fixed, that we may be strong with you. For this is no time, Lord, to go without your guidance. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every filthy and demonic spirit out of hell, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you look after your people, Lord. And we are not going to lose the faith. We are going to stay strong with you. We are going to wait for your calling, Lord, for your blessing. You said, tarry until we be endowed with power. Where in the name of Jesus, we are going to stand on this rock, which is Christ Jesus. And we are going to believe you, Lord, in spite of our circumstances. And anything that we're going through, anything that we're suffering from, Lord, we believe you and your finished work on the cross. Cover us with your blood. Let the blood of Jesus work through every single believer. Lord, go out and win souls, Lord. Let us yield our vessels to you that your work may be done. What are we doing being afraid, Lord, when you are the majority? You are not the minority. You are everything that we have ever needed, and you always were. It just takes some of us hard-headed ones sometimes, Lord, just to come to you. And, Lord, I'm just asking that you continue to break us. I'm asking that you continue to bestow your love upon us. We are grateful for your grace and your mercy, Lord, for aside from you, we can do nothing. Let us place no confidence in the flesh, Lord. Let us glorify you with all matter, thought, and conversation of our very being, Lord. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, Lord, unto you, holy and acceptable unto you, Lord. And do what you need to do that we will not be conformed unto this world. For my sister Sarah, Lord, I'm asking that you continue to bless her. Fill her with your spirit. Let the anointing flow from her life, Lord. For you know that you, if you began a good work in your people, it will be finished. For my brother James, Lord, place your anointing upon him. You've given him something special, an understanding of the scriptures to 
to teach your word, Lord. Lord, do what you need to do with him. Accept him, Lord. Clean him. Build him, Lord, to be the man that you've called him to be. For my sister Christina, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you were doing a mighty work in her, Lord. Within one year, Lord, of her being saved, look at all that you've done through her. Look at all that you've done for Carlin, Lord, our brother. I'm asking that your anointing pours upon us, Lord, that we continue to believe you, that we proclaim Jesus, for we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm praying, Lord, that every day, that we become more like you. I'm praying that when they see us, Lord, that they see you. And Lord, I pray for my brother Martin, Lord, and what you want to do with him in his life. Eric, Holly, so many, Lord. The people that are outside, Lord, let your spirit sweep. Let your spirit flow upon your people, Lord. Give us a holy calling, Lord, that no man can take from us. You said, Lord, that those that are of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Continue to work in us, Lord. Continue to do what you need to do, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost fall mightily upon us, Lord, that we may be like our predecessors, Lord, those who had come before, those who believed you. That hall of faith, Lord, we want to be in because not of us, but Jesus Christ formed in us, Lord. You have, you have done an, an awesome work. Marvelous works have you done, Lord, and shown us to increase our faith. And let nothing come between us and that, Lord. Let us have the gift of faith that we believe you in all matters. Yes. There's no such things as, as affairs that have nothing to do with you, Lord. Yes. We know that you can make anything out of nothing. Yes. We know that there, you are the Lord thy God and there was nothing too hard for you. Give us a life of prayer, fasting. Lord, a steady diet of your word, putting you before all things, Lord. And yes. if it be your will, separate us from those things that are not of you. Yes. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for being an awesome God. We thank you for being a holy and, and faithful father. We thank you for being the prince of peace, Lord, that we didn't find you. You found us. Yes. And we were in the most wretched times of our lives. But, Lord, you saved us. You've shown us what true love is. You've shown us what grace is. You've shown us, Lord, that aside from you, that we are absolutely nothing. Well, I'm asking, Lord, that you fill everyone tonight with the Holy Ghost. I'm asking because you said those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Fill our temples, Lord, for we are going in a mission impossible, believing you every step of the way. Lord, I'm asking that this prayer goes out. Lord, hits every home within 50 miles, 100 miles of here, Lord. Let your will be done. Let your will be done, Lord. Let your will be done that we may be crushed, that Jesus Christ may live. This is the only reason, Lord, for everything. It is your story. And I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, let your anointing fall, let your will be done, and let no man come between you and yours. Lord, do these things for your glory and for your honor. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true. And you are worthy of all praises. In Jesus' name, we receive this prayer in faith. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.